when the central bankers of the G7 nations went into the room in Jackson Hole in August 2019 and they voted on the going direct reset, everything that's happening to us right now is part of the going direct reset and they voted on it. It was a plan. Okay? So they wrote a plan. They decided to do this. So they've been, they've been engaged in the financial coup for 20 years. We're now coming into the end game. They have to consolidate the financial coup and they vote on the going direct reset. And with that one decision, they made a decision over the next year to put 500 million people out of work. That's the equivalent of dropping several nuclear bombs around the world. That's financial warfare. And they made it intentionally, they made it knowingly, and it was a plan. And what is very important to understand when you think about this pandemic is People are not dying from magic viruses. People are dying from tyranny. They're dying from a great poisoning that's part of that tyranny. But our problem and the thing we need to be afraid of is tyranny because the tyranny is about to get much, much worse. And, and it's the passports and, and that system of central bank digital control that will give them the ability to do that. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, July 9th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. The, the, the thing that really stood out to me today as I was going over this is how much of this we have continued to break down from day to day to day. And it's not just COVID-19. I mean, it's, I mean as I, it's, the reason this is my thought to start the show today is I'm watching people talk in the chat before this goes live, and it's it's this collective sigh. I think that like, back to that meme we mentioned the other day that this is the we're we're in the middle of the longest, most excruciating "I told you so" in history, and that's not I don't take credit for that. Somebody else quoted me on that on Twitter, and that wasn't me that said that. I was a meme that's been floating, but it's a great it's a great point of where we all see where we are right now that we are proving this stuff. And actually, to start out, I had a couple of points I wrote down that I wanted to used throughout the show today, one of which I was going to use later, just as I was talking with some people I know, one of which is something, since I just said this, that I want to start out with. At what point, how did we get to a point where peer-reviewed science is being disregarded? Now, as always, I'm not ever saying that peer-reviewed science, as we have seen quite clearly through this process, is absolute, unequivocal, but it means something. And that's their point, peer-reviewed, and it's important. And But now, and in the beginning, the way that COVID started, and we're going to talk about more than just COVID today, in fact, mostly around fake news, misinformation in Ukraine. But in the beginning, it was, well, that's been retracted, right? The, the, the pressure was pushed, and, they, and that's still happening to some degree. Or as I had a lot in my personal circles, well, that doctor has been debunked. Didn't you know that? He's been debunked which is just a really ignorant statement to make that his entire life has been debunked because what a news channel said that that one thing he missed, it's ridiculous. But now we're at a point where we're seeing it's not being retracted. Not all of it. There's some, some they're still trying to, I'll get into one of those in fact today, but we know as we've been showing on this show or covering on the show and continually, like you can go back to the last six months of this show, 
I would probably give, give you maybe 80%, 90% of the peer-reviewed studies we've shown you that uh, like completely challenge their narrative about mask efficacy, about vaccine efficacy, about side effects of the injections. I mean, everything. They're still there. Peer-reviewed, completely sound. Why doesn't that matter? I mean, th- th- from a really objective standpoint, isn't... So at the very least, it shows you that it's not defined, that it's not settled. And it's really interesting. So it's, we've gone from that's retracted, that's been removed, which shows you even if that, I mean, we, I think we now know that it's deceptive, but that they marshaled their power early on and shoved the early ones back down. For instance, that Denmark study about masks, right? Look at how that aged very well, didn't it? But now we're at a point where they're just outright dismissing this stuff, ignoring it, in fact. And yet they're the ones still saying trust the science. And I'm not saying left or right, because it goes all across the, the fake illusion two-party spectrum. But it's interesting to me. And I really want us to think about what that shows us. And again, I believe that means to actually, interestingly enough, this other point that I was going to make, that to me means that we, as I've been saying for a long time, are in fact the majority. Now, that doesn't have to mean it's 99%. It could be 51%, really. But the point is that the majority of people in this country, I believe, are not buying what they're selling anymore. Now, they still may believe in the virtues of masks or think that these things, we should trust certain things. But from a general standpoint, I believe the American population and the world, for that matter, is aggressively standing against, from day to day, and increasingly so, the, the narratives they're spinning. From COVID, it got worse to Ukraine, and monkeypox was just laughed out, of, laughed out of the field. I mean, we've seen this over and over and over. I believe now that they don't really need us to agree with them anymore. For a long time, we've been saying it's really about consent. And that's not just saying, but that's just the reality, that they manufacture that consent with emotional outrage and all the different things, which they still do apply that in effort to manipulate you into try, to wanting to consent. But I don't believe they truly need that anymore. They've jumped past the idea that we need to agree with what they're doing. And really now they just realize they just only need us to believe that we don't have the my majority opinion. That rather we believe that we are the minority. And as long as they can keep the rising resistance to their entire stance, believing that they're the fringe and, you know, self-censoring and not telling their neighbors how they feel and everybody else thinks the same thing. You know, that's what I think is happening right now. That's abstract. I get that. And I know a lot of people don't see that, don't believe that. I talk to people on the street and they're all completely lost. Well, maybe that person was afraid to express their opinions because they're somewhere in the middle. They're not sure. They'd love to say, I don't believe all of this, but they're afraid that you'll call them a conspiracy theorist. But that's how this seems to go to me. So it's very interesting. So overall today, there's a long kind of arch overarching point throughout the entire show today, sort of about the disinformation, misinformation, the control of, of perception. And of course, as always, the two-party paradigm being the, the linchpin, the crux of the entire issue that is keeping people, the most important part of the, of the people right now from standing up and realizing that. Because that's what it comes down to. We are this close. And it comes right down. And they go, oh, but you're on that side. Oh, you're on that side. That means you're this. That means you're that. And it stops. But we see it. I believe it. I really do. Now, that clip that I opened with Catherine Austin Fitz is really important because she's outlining something that we discussed on our recent interview. Uh, This was entitled, this is the link, by the way. Thank you, Paul Stewart, for sharing this. Entitled, Global financial coup d'etat and technocratic slavery that follows. Great discussion about this, about very interesting things about how this is being built around us. And it goes back to the the going direct reset from 2019. 
I mean, it's just, it's all very clearly painted in line. As long as the only thing that stops you from seeing how stupidly obvious this is, is just going, well, they wouldn't do that. Wouldn't somebody have said something like all these ridiculous kind of statements that are meaningless? Well, maybe, maybe not. Like what doesn't, does that stop you from seeing the facts in front of you? Like it's obvious. So we need to stand back and see that. I think the crossing the lines are what's really, really about. But her point was that there's much more happening and it goes long before this starts. But of course, it all arches over into the Great Reset, the technocratic future. And what we're dealing with right now is just locking that into place, in my opinion. Now, I want to start today with something I think is really important. And this is about the last American vagabond specifically. And how, but not just the last American vagabond. The point will be about this platform, but mostly just independent media. And how important it is to see right now, not just that T-Live is under attack aggressively and that we need your support, but on top of that, that independent media right now is under more attack than I've ever seen in my life. And they're coming after people in a way that's not the way we've seen before. Whereas they're censoring, just like we've seen for a long time. But on top of that, they're setting the table right now. And this is where we get into the misinformation, disinformation kind of ideas that it's not even really about, well, you're not allowed to say that. I mean, that is what's happening. But remember, they still pretend that we have, I mean, here, let me say that the right way. We have inalienable, shall not be infringed constitutional rights that are there, whether or not they agree with them, whether or not they respect them. They're inalienable, God-given. It has nothing to do with whether it was ever written down on those pieces of paper, but hemp paper, in fact. But the point is that they are circumventing the idea of that by simply going, well, it's not about whether or not you're allowed to say it. It's that what you're saying leads to violence. What you're saying is threatening me. What you're saying radicalizes people like it's the fire in a theater analogy on steroids. And that's where this always goes. It's the caveat to something that is inalienable, like, you know, that's supposed to be absolute. That's usually where we end up, where they start chipping away at things. And we'll get into that in a second. But today, what we're going to talk about in this first part of it is how they are building and setting the table for people like us. And even though we are seeing the never before in the history of this, in my experience in this business, more interest in independent media than I've ever seen in my life, people everywhere around the world are desperate for alternative opinions, alternative perspectives, and different different factual-based information that can show you the reality of the true narrative. They're looking everywhere. But while that's happening, while the engagement of this kind of content is exploding, you're seeing two things. You're seeing a, a dramatic decrease in the reach traffic of people that are purveying that news, even as the engagement increases, which is counterintuitive. But on top of that, you're seeing a lot of these, these corporate media wannabes stepping on that and trying to shout as if they were the first ones there. And we've seen this all throughout the history of media but it's a dangerous time for that. And that's the important thing to think about. People that are in the corporate media that are now trying to paint themselves as sort of a, not part of that anymore. Or the people that are always kind of stepping in the middle of a field and acting like they were the first ones there. These things are dangerous. We need to recognize is this is all building in a way that's going to stop the flow of this kind of information. Now, what I'm going to show you here is a couple different things. I was starting on this for, I forget actually why this started. I think I was looking for something specific and I ended up finding the last American Vagabond search and it had a bunch of different information. And I want to show you a couple of things. First of all, this is just generally about the last American Vagabond. What I'm first going to laugh about is how most of this is completely inaccurate. And you'll find that a lot of places. A lot of these, you know, supposed to give you the inside information are wildly incorrect. But people still take it at face value, which is one of the points of today because they want to. But what it says here, first of all, this is not my headquarters, but, you know, they say so. So people probably buy that. 
but and this this uh, does, it, it doesn't even matter. People probably think I'm saying that because, but this is my publicly posted address, so why would I try to hide that? But and then of course our revenue is is uh, less than five million dollars. Yeah, quite a bit less. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty funny. I wish we made even a fraction of five million dollars, but we survive because you guys believe in us, which is the kind of final call we're talking about in the beginning here today that we need the support because of how we're being attacked. But as you just next part, I find very interesting. There's first of all, it's we're always incredibly transparent with everything that we do. There's nothing behind the scenes that you don't know about. Now you can, you know, you should question everything. Maybe I'm lying, but the truth is you can see it all. It's all on the surface. What's funny though, is they knowing that I am the founder and editor, which is what it says. They still ambiguously leave this open position above. Like there's somebody behind them. That's calling all the shots. Like, what is this? Why would that be the case? What are they trying to imply? Like, that's an obvious, interesting statement to make. That's my opinion. But Zoom info, it's posted. I'm the founder and editor. Why wouldn't you put that at the top? It's just, I think there's more going on here behind the scenes. And this is just the first small point, but you can go through a lot of these places. You're going to see a lot of the same things. For instance, here is a pla- here is a platform that is reviewing different sites. I've got on this platform, I've got one review for excellent. Five out of five. That's it. One review. That's it. No poor, no average, no bad. It's only one review, right? So you'd think, hey, five stars. Nope. For some reason, we have 3.7. <laughs> That's weird, right? One review, but yet it's 100%. But yet I'm just, I, this could still just be a bad site and a glitch or whatever else. But my point overall is to show you kind of like a broad effort to downplay and diminish pl- groups like us, despite the fact that we are highly regarded, especially among the independent media. Now, I'm not just saying T-Lab, but I'm talking about a lot of different independent outlets that are in the same boat. Here's another interesting point. We've had an IMDP page, DB page for a long time. I, this, I'm just something I never tried to do. I don't really want to be on there because it kind of seems to make people think things, oh, it's actually a show or whatever. I've seen that happen in the past, but people do that themselves and they add it. But the interesting point is that T-Lab has been on this website for a while now, but I checked, happened to see it today and noticed weird. Everything's been removed for the most part, except the old links that aren't really there anymore. And they changed everything. So it used to say T-Lab and it said media or whatever else, or, or you know, rather a uh, broadcast show or something like that. But now it says external sites and that just says TV series. And everything else that was here is now gone. Like, I don't know why that happened, but isn't that strange? Something is happening here across the board. And it's not just me. I've, I've actually done similar things on other platforms as well, like the Corbett Report. But it's, it's just I'm making a fo- focused point on this right now. Now to the point of what we're seeing happen specifically in regard to the traffic i've been talking about this but the, and this is by the way just one of the sites and they fluctuate mine on actual my actual um tracking of this seems to be showing it quite a bit more but to take this as the public one <clears throat> it's showing a dramatic over a hundred thousand views a month decrease since february now why does that make sense i we are getting we are right now we get more views from the collective grounding about of all of our platforms that shoot and odyssey and rockfield whatever else far exponentially more than we ever did before with YouTube and everything else. But we were making a hell of a lot more traffic, a hell of a lot more revenue, everything back then. How does that make sense? Now, I'm not saying I know. You could certainly argue maybe we're just not as popular anymore. Maybe maybe I'm not doing a good job anymore. These are all certainly things you should ask. But the point here is that that's not what we're seeing in regard to the engagement. From just March to April, we're seeing a over a 17% decrease in traffic. That, my, my friends, is because of suppression and because of the manipulations of the algorithms. Because of, I mean, the point is that a lot of the traffic you would normally get organically from people that are, say, just searching for alternative opinions around COVID-19 injections won't get that. 
you won't show up because you're intentionally sabotaged. We've been on lists of Google and it was proven by whistleblowers. I think it was even Voorhees that was the one that released that way back in the beginning that showed you that Last American Vagabond was literally on the list of blacklist sites on Google's list. So think about that. The largest search engine on the planet and we're blacklisted. I know my email and my server is blacklisted. I'm sneaking. I'm, I suspe- suspect that HostGator right now is suspe- doing something. I don't, I can't back that up. I don't know that for sure. That's, but I'm already in the works of trying to find a freedom, you know, a free speech kind of focused hosting service. I'm speaking with Ramiro Romani and trying to set that up, but I'm dragging my feet as well. But there's all these different angles that we are being manipulated. Things don't work. And here's a, here's to that point. Somebody just reached out to me today, and I, I know this is happening. Two people, in fact. This is just somebody who sent it in as a as a, uh, a DM, or rather just to the website, saying that they were trying to find this website, and it kept saying server not found. That's This is one person. This came from somebody else. Now, what is that? Server not found? That's very different than saying an error, you know, a 404 can't connect and whatever else. That's literally, to me... Something with HostGator, or rather something with Comcast, because both of them were Comcast, but I use Comcast. I don't like Comcast. In fact, I hate Comcast, but here's where we have to do it, where we where you are in certain places. But the point is, that's pretty crazy to me. And this is where I see all this going, that they are going to start attacking domain names, hosting, like just literally at the server level and stopping you from being able to connect or stopping them from being able to find you, even though we're here. We're here. I'm screaming. We're talking. But they can't find you. This is the future unless we do something about it. Uh, Was there something else over here? I don't think so. I just, well, I don't want to take too much time on this. Now, here's another interesting part. This, This is the contrast to what we're saying, right? So how can it be possible that we're losing more traffic than ever yet here's a site that up to up to date telling you that what's the what are the most shared fake news sites on Twitter right of course we know what they mean by fake news well here's what's funny is I would actually point out some of these websites like neonetal for that point for that matter I think are terrible and share a lot of misinformation but that doesn't mean that everything on here would be fake news it's just what they we, there's a lot of sites on here activist posts for example that are nothing they're not even remotely fake news but they're on there and because they're being shared the most on twitter but we're labeled fake news because they just don't agree with what we're saying now watch as this progresses we are in the top 10 of the sites being shared on twitter in regard to covid-19 watch as it, it gives you kind of like the growing graph in regard to how this goes so we're kind of right here it shows you oh here i can highlight it kind of here we go so we're kind of st- we were kind of at n- stuck at 9 for a while and then we jumped up to 6 and that's as of september Gateway Pundit, number one. Infowars, number two. WND, then Judicial Watch. Really? A site that shares FOIA requests and, ju- and, and legal documents. Yeah, they're fake news. You see how ridiculous and subjective this is? And trust me, we'll get into that in regard to the Disinformation Governance Board and the whistleblower about how that's being shown today, that they're willfully and subjectively censoring things they simply just don't want people to see. But Activist Post, an outstanding site is number four or five, and then The Last American Vagabond, number six. Most shared sites on Twitter. Think about that in regard to specifically COVID-19, but they're calling it fake news. My point is, whether or not you call it fake news, how in the world are we number six on a gigantic list of gigantic websites, and yet this is what's happening, right? Think about that. Now, look, guys, we are ranked 5,358 in the world for the category of news media, or rather, excuse me, in the United States. That's pretty crazy, if you ask me. That's a, that's, I'm very proud of that. But yet, here we are. Something is going on. 
Now, on the, just on another quick one, you know, here, here are here's an old uh, podcast platform. Remember, because we've been censored from literally everything, literally, I shouldn't say, I, I got to get away from doing that, but pretty much platforms everywhere. Everything you could possibly mention, I've probably been censored from. And that's every single podcasting thing I've been kicked off of, all of them, iHeart, Stitcher, Podbean, all of them. Now, what's interesting is he, what you'll see is a lot of these old reviews from 2017 and it stops right right after they kicked you off most of them. But guess what? You read all these reviews. What are they saying? Amazing. Truth. Fantastic. And that's why they stopped it. Now, something somebody, uh, Carrie, I believe, showed me in the Discord chat, which I think is outstanding. If you go to Bing.com or other, you know, not completely controlled search engines, but I, I feel like most of them are, even though they're, you know, they're not, some, they're, some are better than others, but none of them, in my opinion right now, are absolutely outstanding in regard to the, 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 the mainstream ones. But you search to define independent media. And it says, to me, independent media is, is media that's only accountable to its readers. And this is, of course, an a, a, a article saying this. But then it, down, then it says down here, people also ask, and one of them, when you could do the drop down, was what are some good media news sources? Check this out. And this is Quora. This is just like a general, not, not leaning one way or the other, just a general kind of you know, data gathering kind of site where you ask questions and people engage. And guess what, guys? On that list, Mint Press News. Unlimited Hangout, The Last American Vagabond, The Corporate Report. What a shocker. I could have probably said that, right? I'm honored to be on the list along most of them. And most of them on that list are outstanding sites. I think that's pretty incredible. And the point again, how can that be the case? I'll just leave that to you to decide. I think that's pretty obvious that something pretty fishy is happening here. Now, if you want to follow the podcast, guys, which I don't shout this out enough, here is where you go. Blueberry.com, spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com, slash, last, underscore, American, underscore, vagabond, forward slash. This is the hosting site that is dedicated to support. I mean, I've had many conversations with the team, and they, I mean, in fact, they've taken personal action to make sure that this is solid and running. These people believe in free speech, and they support the content. So whether or not any other podcast out there places or podcast places allowing this to be seen or listened to, this is there. So you can subscribe here. You can use your whatever podcast pod uh, podcatcher you use. If they allow it to be seen on there, you can use that. But subscribe here. Subscribe to the website because they are coming after us and this content is not going away. We are going to continue. Now, on top of that, if you'd like to continue supporting The Last American Vagabond, because that's what this is really all about, is we are aggressively under attack. And I want to say again, guys, that I'm not going to stop doing this. Like, I mean, to be completely honest, which I probably even shouldn't shape, shouldn't say, because people are going to say, well, I was going to do it if I pay or not. The point is that I'm going to keep doing this because I believe in this. Whether or not that means I go out and get a side job so I can make this keep happening, which, by the way, we're far, far away from that. I'm making it seem much more worse than it is. But my, I've always said that in the past, back before we grew to the point we are at now. If I have to go out and get a job or whatever else to keep this going, I'm going to keep doing that. But, of course, the content's going to lose steam and we won't get as much out. My point is that we need your support right now because... Patreon attacked, PayPal removed, you know, one by one, they're knocking off our sources of revenue. And a lot of people have tried to make that up in other ways, direct donations through the website and everything else. But right now we are being aggressively attacked as our traffic is dropping 20% in a month. You know, we are losing that kind of revenue that comes from that direction. So as always, don't forget that we are people funded 100%. The only way this site operates is because you out there decide to donate because you believe in what we're doing. And again, that's not, there's no conditions to that. That's what they don't understand. They don't understand how you can believe in what we're doing so much to where you'd be willing to say, here's a dollar. 
because we believe in you. Because that's all it really means. A dollar from everybody that's listening right now. Now, I rarely talk about this stuff because that's not what I care about. So I hope that shows you something that's, that's how kind of where we're in a position to where I need to. But at the end of the day, guys, if you want to support this platform, there's I have these listed right here. Subscribestar seems to have been pretty solid. They've I've had Subscribestar almost as long as Patreon, and it, they've never censored me, but I, who knows where that will go. But there's one right there. Of course, we have the different types of cryptocurrency. And if you're interested in other random kinds, you can reach out via email, and I'm sure I could have a, a, a wallet that you guys could send it to. Cash App still exists. You could buy our shirts from truthclothing.io. That's one way to do it as well. Now, on top of that, you can see that, oh, here it is right here. Under every video, we also list all the ways you can do it right here. Subscribe, Star Cash, buy me a coffee, different donations, and so on. Now, we used to have a lot more, but of course, we're under attack. And a lot of them are being removed. But on top of that, as I should actually point out more than anything, guys, this is really what it's all about. This is what seems to be the focal point for most everybody right now is direct address. 1113 Murfreesboro Road, Suite 106-146, Franklin, Tennessee, 37064, right? They're going to try to stop that too, I would bet. But stay in contact, right? Do not lose connection with us. And that's why I think... and, and they, Go ahead and post in the chat for me, guys, the Wire link and whatever else. We've got Wire.com. We've got a different Discord channel. All the different ways you can keep in contact with us because I'm not trying to sound too dire about it, but I think we all see where this is going. And if you do not try to make that connection now, as Corbett always famously said, and he was proven right, one day they're going to go, oh, I guess he just stopped doing it. (laughs) Nope, we're still doing it. You just only look at one website and they are counting on that. Don't prove them right. Now, on that note, in regard to the content they don't want you to see, we're going to do a quick little run through on some COVID points, and then we're going to do pretty much the rest of the show on misinformation, disinformation governance board, and Ukraine misinformation and how that relates. It's a perfect little coordination. So I just re- I just saw this, first of all, that I thought was outrageous to me. We're just talking about the fifth shot in Israel, which I'll get to in a minute. And on top of that, we are watching them scream about their new booster as if we are that stupid. As I said, it's not a booster if it's an entirely new thing, which it is. And that's easy to verify. No safety testing, just alteration and redistribution. We all know that because that's what they told you was going to happen. If they've changed the substance, it needs to go through safety testing and it needs to go through alternate trials. They're not doing that because they told you in the beginning quietly that the mRNA platform was designed that way, plug and play. And they've all quietly pushed that away now, but that's really what they stated on the Moderna website. You have to have to use the Wayback Machine to read that now, but that's what they stated. They're trying to hide from it. Exactly as many of us told you when discussing their public plans for the future of the new mRNA platform model, you are being lied to. And thank you, Cat's Rule, for making this point, which is really crazy. He, they point out, it says, first time, truly, in regard to the efficacy. I love this. I mean, this is not this is this is not hyperbole. This is not even exaggeration. This is exactly what words have meaning, which is a kind of a segue into the next part as well, because there's a lot of in dis- misinformation actually being spread, of course, but not in regard to the way you think it not like the not in, in regard to it's coming from the partisan sides of this in other interesting ways, in my opinion, and I'll get to that. And that's what's being used to discount other things that are valid conversations. It's like, let's not be ridiculous enough to pretend that there's not disinformation. There's not misinformation. And I'm not even talking about the government. We know they do that. People spread things. But of course, you have a right to do that. You have, it's your right to be able to talk about things, even to spread things that aren't true. That's your right. You see, that's the problem we get into. And I'll make that point more in a second. 
But it says, as opposed to the first vaccines weren't truly effective, obviously evident that he's admitting for the first time that the first vaccines weren't truly effective. Now, here's the article. Here's what it says. Moderna says new booster for fall could be turning point in COVID fight. Right. As if, what, you mean like from the thing that we're all dying from and it's crazy and we're all run? Wait a minute. Fauci literally just said we're not even in the pandemic phase anymore. But now we're talking, a turning point in the fight against COVID. What are we talking about? It's amazing the way they keep this hype going. When we are at a point where they've admitted, I mean, with Omicron coming out, they were even going, well, this is probably like a vaccine. It's not very dangerous and it's going to get people immunity. And yet here we are in, in the point turning point of the battle against COVID. It's just, it, it's embarrassing. Even people that are taking these now are like, you guys are losing the plot here. Monkey box, this or that, or just, it's just this constant push to keep you in a fear state to drive in the direction. I mean, we could go off on a thousand points about how about the fact that the majority of this country has immunity, and by the way, had immunity before this started, as two different peer-reviewed studies have found that a majority of adults already showed pre-existing antibody reactivity before this ever started. And they found that in a study when they realized the entire control arm, or a lot of them had antibodies. And it didn't make sense until we realized, well, either it was here before, or we're dealing with other things like the cold or SARS that have reactivity and gave them antibodies or gave them immunity. That's one way to look at it. So why would we be so concerned now with going forward if everybody already had it? There's a thousand ways to look at this, but all they want you to do is focus on the next shot. The fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth one, or the new one, or whatever it is, just keep in line with what they're doing. Nothing means everything. Everything means nothing until they point at it. This one's the truth. Now take that one. As it says, with vaccine immunity waning, which is interesting because remember when that was also a conspiracy theory? Remember that? The entire idea, which we now know because of their documentation that they knew that was going to happen before they ever gave them to anybody. And then we said, well, it looks like they're not working. And they said, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist because you're censored. And now they're telling you the truth. And now we know they always knew. Why doesn't that one thing stop everything? Because nothing means everything and everything means nothing. And I think everybody sees it. It'll stop when we stop it. Like Corbett famously said, when it'll stop when we stand up and stop it. Now it says, and concerns over a fall surge growing. Remember when, so it's every time is there, we're going to have a summer surge or a winter, dark winter. So, so every time, every single turn of the corner, they go, oh, there's a surge coming and it doesn't happen. And they go, well, because blah, 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 blah. And then, well, if we are concerned about a fall surge, it's every single turn. And they've already warned about this. The WHO, the HHS, the BMJ, they all call out the fear mongering push, except until we got to COVID land where now they're all pushed into corners and nobody speaks out because they'll be attacked. Before we got here, they were all screaming about how the WHO, about how the CDC, excuse me, the CDC, I meant, the WHO is the one that called them out at the time, how the CDC was pushing pandemics of fear. That's what their words called it. Fall surge growing, officials from Moderna announced on Wednesday that data from its study on Omicron containing bivalent booster revealed that it offers superior antibody response against Omicron. That's it. One month after injection compared to the company's current vaccine. Now, I should say that's it in regard to what they're claiming, the bivalent. So what happens when this thing, which, by the way, they're already telling you has split off into like seven different variants, but they're not too dangerous yet, just yet anyway, which I don't even know if I believe any of that. But the point is that's what they're saying. And the point is that this one's working against Omicron and this other thing. And what about all the rest of it? What about the other million variants that you're going to tell us pop up in the next 30 seconds? Doesn't matter, though. Just take this one. Like, this is the absurdity of what they're doing. They're still giving people right now the thing that's based on the original Wuhan isolate, which is nowhere right now by their own documentation. 
Why does that make sense to anybody? You're being given an injection that causes antibodies that are going, being created for something that's not there. That is a, gar a guaranteed way to give you a high chance of antibody-dependent enhancement. They'll, they've all told you that. But so now we're going to give you the new one. Just go along with it. Don't question. Superior antibody response against Omicron. What is superior? Well, what they mean by that is it's better than the other one. Okay, how much better? Since we're dealing with barely 55% relative risk reduction in the first month, and that goes all the way down to negative 75 efficacy after three months, superior is meaningless. Okay, was it 56% relative risk reduction, which is also meaningless? See, it doesn't matter. As long as they just tell you it's good, it's better, and they frame that as safe and effective, 100%, whatever they want to say, people go along with it. The blind, small minority of the two-party illusionists, they frame as the majority. But it's one month after injection. Ah, okay. So now it's a month after the injection? What happened to the 14 days, 21 days? A month now. So now everything that happens in that first month, if this is what this actually means, I believe it does, is going to be discounted. Well, because you got to wait a month until it actually starts working. Superior antibody response after one month compared to the company's current vaccine. That's the point. Compared to something that's not working, superior means nothing unless you have metrics to place on it. Then it goes on to say, to the point of the person in, the, in the, the tweet, and this is the important part, guys, the data are definitely better than I even hoped. Okay, what does that mean? Is it, give me a number. Of course not. And of course, when they do, remember, it's relative risk reduction. Relative. I'll play that actually in a second. But here it says, he told ABC that in an interview that given the magnitude of effect, that sevenfold increase in antibody levels, we could, for the first time, be at a vaccine that is truly effective with once yearly dosing because we know those antibody levels will decay. Well, why do you know that? Well, that means it's not working. That's not common. We don't, the history, the history of other, like for instance, your chicken pox, I mean, the vaccines they've given in the past, which by the way, you should be concerned about because of the people behind the scenes. But the point being that these things don't just go away immediately. The point is that people have already been taking these injections. Their immune system doesn't work. Giving them another one, whatever kind, is not, their body does not, their immune system is broken. That's been proven by peer-reviewed science 10 times over. So when you're giving them this new thing and going, well, it's yearly dosing because we know they're already going to decay, that's telling you they're already trying to get ahead of what they know is going to happen. So this is the one that's supposed to be way better and it's still going to go away. Which, by the way, I will say some of them in the past have done the same. But my point is to have what they tell you here. It's the first time they tell you. The Moderna medical chief officer, just so we're clear on who's saying this, the Moderna medical chief officer says for the first time, we now have a vaccine that's truly effective. How do you take that any other way? Words have meaning. For the first time means we haven't had it before, that they're now truly effective, implying they weren't effective before. So how do you make sense of safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective? How do you make sense of the idea that they have to be benefits outweigh the risk to be able to emergency authorize? Well, if they weren't truly effective, then that doesn't apply. But it doesn't matter, guys. The point is it doesn't matter. This all they, they are willing to collapse their house of cards from before in order to get you to jump into the next one for the new one. As long as you keep going forward, they don't care. They Well, we've got it wrong before, but we, as long as we get you going forward, it doesn't matter. They get you going forward. I mean, this is pretty incredible to me. So it's going to go forward no matter what, unless we stop it. Because that's what we're seeing. COVID-19 on the rise in Israel again, fifth jab being considered, which just like every other time when they do that, it's, I mean, think about this, by the way, fifth jab being considered while they're telling you there's something new coming out. 
Why does I mean why how does this even compute anymore? If they're already discussing the next one, wouldn't that be what you focus on? Because it it's just about getting this in your arm. I mean, obviously that's my opinion, but good, good God, guys, we've been seeing this the entire time with all the myocarditis and Bell's palsy and blood clots and heart attacks and everything that they've admitted. Understand they've admitted all of those things, super rare, super rare, whatever they want to say, they're there. And now we're on shot number five. Even the discussion of that two was a conspiracy theory in the early days. Now three, oh, you're crazy. We're never going to get there. How about the fact that we've already discussed in their documentation, it proved that they had six slots discussing for these shots, six of them. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if six is still in the cards. I said, anyone shocked by this hasn't been paying attention. Jab number five on the way in Israel or the world's lab as Pfizer openly called it. And if you don't comply, your life gets restricted and shut down due to the COVID green pass. That's all true. All of that was called fake news before we got here. Every single part of that was fake news. And many people were censored for saying exactly what's happening right now. Now, the other part of this is we're horrifically laughing about in a macabre way. Sudden deaths of young people proving a mystery for doctors. We were just harping on how stupid this is. They're baffled, guys. They're baffled. Quite the mystery. They're just baffled. Meanwhile, literally everybody reading this is aware of the gigantic Pfizer elephant in the room. I should rather say the mRNA elephant in the room. This is just embarrassing. Are you, I mean, I can't even believe this, that they're talking about sudden death in young people, but yet collapsing athletes is fake news. How do you make sense of that? How can it be fake news if we're otherwise pointing at the same thing happening? But from a different angle, no, no, it's not the vaccine. Well, we're not really even arguing necessarily that every single thing we're pointing at, anyone honest anyway, we know is the vaccine. As good sciencing points out, all we know is they got it and then they actually collapse on the field. Could it be the vaccine? Obviously, that's the honest question to ask. Many of them have proven, by the way. But how is it fake news that they're collapsing in general if we're watching this happen and they're now discussing it, but not the vaccine, though? Why not? They've admitted it causes myocarditis. They've admitted it can cause blood clots. So isn't it a possibility? No fake news. That's what's happening. Aggressive attack on anybody even pointing it out. How dare you suggest that? I'm not suggesting that they said it's possible. And he points out, hey, but Moderna just came out with a new vaccine that provides protection against two variants. This month-long data looks pretty promising. Right, month-long data, exactly. Hot flash in a pan study. Look quick, get it out before it looks bad. They've been caught doing this over and over. This is why I don't believe anybody's buying this. How can you see what's already happened and even what media, corporate media has been forced to admit, and now we're going right back to the same rigmarole? Guess what? Lockdowns, masks, social distancing, none of those things are working, have worked, and the history has made that clear. The studies have made that clear, but they're right now have it documented that those are the things they're going to do when they need to right now. We are under a tyrannical push right now, guys. We always really have been, but they are aggressively driving this and hoping that we don't push back. If we sit here and take this, I mean, you could argue we already waited too long, truly. But if we keep taking this, this is going to become your norm. That's their whole point. This is your new normal. They're just hoping you buy it. Now, my 21-year-old son, Blue says, has recently been discharged from nine days in the hospital. Two of those days were in the ICU with myocarditis. Second Pfizer jab. Personally, previously, no health issues. Now in rehabilitation, can't work on heart medication for the rest of his life. This is what's happening everywhere. You cannot miss how many people are telling this. I mean, it's everywhere. That's why people, even with the injections, are now going, okay, wait a minute. I know people in my family that, have, that since they've gotten these injections, they've had COVID like four times. At least they've been told that. Everyone in the family. 
personal people in my family going in the hospital like every other week for chest pains and breathing problems that weren't happening before they stupidly got the shot, despite what we are continuing to tell people. I mean, it bothers me that people won't, I mean, I don't think they should just blindly trust me, but, you know, in family members, it's, it's upsetting. And now even still pushing back aggressively that, no, it's because long haul or whatever else. Don't want to hear it. The point is, all they're going to do is say, it's a mystery. Like, the real point to take away from this, guys, is not that we, not to say that we know for sure. I'm, I would, I'd be willing to bet my life on it right now, but I still would be on to tell we, there's certainly a possibility there could be something else. My point is that how can it be a mystery? How can they be baffled? How can they be confused? Mystery for doctors. When there's an obvious culprit that's out there right now, a glaring red flag elephant in the room culprit that they've said this can cause, that's been mass distributed, that everyone is criticizing, and yet we don't know. We're confused. That is just a huge, obvious admission in my mind. The silence is deafening. It's like saying, look, at we're the, like uh, Dr. McCullough just pointed out, these injections can cause prions disease, ALS, Alzheimer's. And yet in, in Canada, they're going, we're baffled by this brain disease that perfectly correlates with the injection administration. We're baffled. No, you just choose not to look at the obvious. This person points out, a celebrity dating expert apparently, listening to LBC radio, people calling up saying they're getting stroke-like symptoms. You know, like heart problems and blood clots and all things we're talking about. All vaccinated, all blaming long COVID. Couldn't make this up. By the way, two peer-reviewed studies I've discussed, doesn't mean it's 100% the case, but two different peer-reviewed studies that I've discussed are arguing that most of long-haul long haul COVID is psychosomatic. The people are simply, and the point was the one main study said that almost everybody they studied who said they had long haul had never verifiably shown that they had COVID, whatever you think that means. The people that had taken a test that said they had it, none of them had what they thought was long, what they called long haul. How do you explain that other than fear mongering, social engineering, and manipulation? It says, now someone called up and said they have heart problems because of long COVID. What a strange virus that started off as a dry cough and turned into strokes and heart problems a year later, <laughs> right? Exactly. Maybe because they're covering up what they know they're causing. They're now calling up about microclots. My God. And here's a great meme that I just saw that I think is just, I mean, these things have a way of reaching people. They somehow managed to demonize coughs, sniffles, and having no symptoms at all, but normalized strokes, blood clots, neurological disorders, and died suddenly. I mean, take a minute and really think about that. Right. You can have no symptoms whatsoever, but they were flipping out if you were in the wrong area at the wrong time, had a, you know, you're, you had a, anything anywhere, the smallest thing and people were losing their minds, but strokes and blood clots and disorders and died suddenly. It's like, well, you're a conspiracy theorist. Crazy. Then, of course, you know, the obvious. Here's Politico from uh, the first vaccine injury compensation programs overwhelmed as congressional reform languishes. Now, of course, you could argue that people are applying false claims. That's what they'll love for you to think. And I'm sure that that exists to some degree. The reality though, is that it has never been, it is, I mean, I'll actually, I'll just read to you what it says right here. Between 2010 and 2020, the countermeasure injury compensation program received 500 complaints. 10 years, they received 500 complaints in total. In the two years since COVID-19 appeared, it has received over 8,000 complaints. More than 5,000 of those 8,000 complaints are directly related to COVID-19 injections. That's the simple fact. Now, are they lies? Are they confused? Certainly possible. But the point is that nobody cares to find out. And that is the real thing. That, that, that is the, the, 
admission in and of itself, the quiet behind the scenes. If you're not even investigating it, I think that tells you all you need to see. Now, I wanted to include this today that I probably should go over in more depth later, but we just discussed this in regard to the weekly New South Wales report. We just did the one from last week that showed you that it was dramatically on the side of people with injections. But let's see what it is this week. Of course, because it's all fake news, it probably was just a little, you know, a a caveat. It was probably just an anomaly. And now it's back to normal, right? Nope, same thing. People with no doses in the week of June 4th, ending in June 4th. Guess what, guys? Zero and zero in regard to hospitalizations, ICU or anything. Zero. Not a single person who have no doses went to the hospital in that week in New South Wales. But guess what? People with three doses, they had 184 of them in the hospital. 20 of them in the ICU. Or on top of that, 20 more in the ICU. I think that's the ICU. Yeah. People with four or more doses. Now it says four or more. They're already there. There's the fifth one coming your way. 50 in the hospital, four more in ICU. Eight of people died. Now, no doses, it says 19 died. Don't forget, though, that they still count no doses as anything that happens within 21 days of that first shot. I've made that clear to you. Australia, Scotland, the United States, UK. I mean, I've proven all of those at the very least. I think everyone is doing it. If you get anything that happens within the first 21 days of that first shot, they dump it into unvaccinated. I've shown you that. Uh, you know what? Since we're, since we're talking about it really quickly, I'm already taking oops, too much time on this. Not too much, I should say, but just a lot I, more than I want. I want to get into uh, Ukraine, but that Ontario, same point. How much you want to bet? I'm psychic. I'm going to guess that it's over 75% of people in the ICU are injected. Let's find out. Oh, look at that. What a shock. Over 75% of people in the ICU in Ontario right now are people that are fully injected. It, it never stops, guys. It's ridiculous. On top of that, the people they claim are unvaccinated are, in fact, people that are not fully vaccinated. They're lying to you. People with injections in their body, which I don't know why that would be, how that's any different than partially. It's not, is the point. Thank you for, I think it's D-Train that made this clear to me. It's it's a blatant deception. More than 75% of the ICU, people in critical condition because of, they told they have COVID-19, are people that have all their injections. How disgustingly obvious. Now, again, back to the point. You could, I'm not, let's just go ahead and say that those are all 19 unvaccinated deaths. Who knows? But realize that many of them, I would argue probably most, are people that got the injection and then died within that period. But who knows? The point is there's no missing the obvious difference between these categories. 46 deaths in the three-dose category. That's fully injected plus one booster. 46 deaths in this week. 19 for the no-dose. Now, the point in general, guys, is you could argue, oh, more in the, the majority of them are injected and so on. And that is a fair point to add. That does factor in, but not for 184 people in the hospital, 20 people in the ICU, 46 people dying compared to the rest of it. It does not compute. And don't forget, by the way, the unknown factor. Every study I've ever, I've, I've, had, I've read three different things on this, and every one of them showed you that the unknowns almost predominantly end up in the injected category. And they just leave them floating in unknown. So you could probably add that 124, at least mostly, to the 184. But this is called the pandemic of the injected. That's why in the UK data, up until they stopped showing you, it showed you that the people that were injected were spreading this thing five, four to five times more than anybody else. That's on their data. It's undeniable. That's, that's not the majority discussion about how there's more and so it's misrepresentation. That was per 100,000. Per 100,000. It was four times the risk of catching it if you had three or four doses. That was their data. That's why they stopped showing you, and they were desperate to not let people see it. Now, finally, the White House briefing 
fact sheet. Biden-Harris administration announces, excuse me, action on COVID-19 pandemic response and improving health systems and health security. Health security. Remember when the UK Health Security Agency changed their, well, rather it became the UK Health Security Agency from UK Public Health or whatever it was. They turned this into security, just like everything else. This is a war on your health, right? Or for your health. It's just like it's a war on terror. No, it's a war of terror. Same thing. They made this into a biosecurity state. That's what this is. It's never been more clear. June 8th. The COVID-19 pandemic took a devastating human toll on Latin America and Caribbean, taking the lives of more than 2.7 million people across our hemisphere, accounting for more than 40% of globally reported deaths. That's crazy. And by the way, those deaths in in South America, Africa, they all truly spike after the administration of the injections. Before that ever started, they were bottom-lined. And we all we talked about this plenty of times. You saw you saw basically nothing until they gave the injections at mass distribution, and then all of a sudden they all started spiking in these deaths, and now have accounted for forty percent of the global deaths. Gee, I wonder what happened. This is mad. This is genocide, guys. This is incredible. Now that's kind of statement is my opinion, obviously, but the idea is that this is obvious based on all the data we have with people like Catherine Austin Fitz and plenty of experts and scientists and doctors saying the same thing. Does that mean you buy it because they say it? But it's amazing to see that these highly credentialed people would have an argument that is just anti-science while they're swinging around scientific peer-reviewed studies. It doesn't make sense. 40%. The action plan will help our partners prevent, prepare for, and respond to future pandemic threats. Like, you know, we're talking medical pre-crime here and other public health emergencies, while also expanding the equitable delivery of healthcare and public health services to remote, vulnerable, and marginalized populations. The question here is, do they want your help? See, that they don't even factor that in. It's not their choice. We're going to force you to take our help, our, quote, help. Now, even if people involved believe they're doing the right thing, the point is they're like places like India and many countries in Africa are saying, get the hell away from us with all of your garbage because we historically have watched you hurt us with your experimentation. It's not my opinion. It's been loudly straighted by people in India and elsewhere. It's provable, guys. So my point is when they talk about equitable, they'd make it seem like, oh, they didn't get any because we didn't give it. They don't want your help. They have their own health services. Now, sure, you could argue that they may be lacking in plenty of ways, but guess what? You want to know where people are lacking incredible health? In the United States. But we don't talk about that, right? We only point over there because the black and brown people can't take care of themselves, right? It's amazing how an inherently racist mentality are the people screaming about stopping racism. It's, in, it's, in, it's incredible. But it says the, and by the way, on top of all of that, recognize that the, way, the reason these countries are like this for the most part are because of what their policy has done over the last so many decades. Colonialization, reaping, the, robbing them of their resources, te- you know, giving them horrible deals that end up losing, like, where they basically outsource all of their control and where the, you then it's sold out to U.S. companies and they end up, some of the most resource-rich companies, uh, countries in the world, or some of the poorest. How does that make sense? Because they're being stolen from by places like the United States. It's as simple as that. And by the way, you can add places like China and Russia, but it's very easy to see that it's predominantly the United States and the Western countries that are doing that. That's just a simple fact. If you think that's anti-American, well, then you don't like facts. The truth, as always, is that it's not anti-American to point out the crimes of your government. That's inherently quintessentially American. Going forward, the administration reminds Remains committed to advancing pandemic response and global health security. This is all about creating this global health security. This is about this is a biosecurity state. This has nothing to do with keeping you safe. It's about controlling your health. 
under the guise that that will keep you safe. These activities will help the region better respond. And they're really focusing on South America, by the way, but they're applying this to the, you know, the America, as they keep calling it. Help the region better respond to the current COVID-19 pandemic and prepare for future pandemics by building the capability to prevent outbreaks, detect infectious disease threats, and respond effectively when outbreaks occur. Now, that may sound like what people want, but realize that that's not what it's really about. We all just saw them completely blow this out of proportion and entirely fake it if you if you really understand what happened. The, the point, though, is that they're just keeping this idea that they're going to prevent these things, get ahead of it. This is pre-crime idea. They're going to tell you, oh, well, based on our – and this gets into the pandemic treaty conversation that we're not going to get into today. The WHO, the treaty, and the, amendment, the amendments to the, the regulations, I believe – that that's leading them in a position where they're going to say, oh, we think you have a pandemic. In fact, the, your neighbor says they think you do and you don't have a right to say no. So we're going to step in and keep you safe. That's where this goes. I mean, that should sound ominous because that's what they outline. Now, either you can believe that every single person that's going to be involved is altruistic and would never lie to you, which a child wouldn't believe, or you can realize that it opens the door to control that you can never take back. Not to say that everybody will cheat, lie, and steal, but... Our history shows it's pretty good. Pretty good guess. Now it says this action plan will be fully in effect by 2030. What a coincidence! It's all weird. Weird how it all seems to align because we're conspiracy theorists, right? The U.S. government and Pan American Health Organization launched America's Health Corps will provide basic and specialized training to 500,000 public health, health science, and medical professionals throughout the region in five years. That's really alarming. So instead of just improving the, like, I mean, think about it like this. There are medical schools out there, right? Highly regarded. You could start one there or in other countries, or you could bring people to other countries to go to medical. You could train people with the systems we already have. But what they're talking about is taking 500,000 or seeking out 500,000 health, science, and medical professionals and training them the way they want them to be. Which, of course, you could argue is the right way. Or you could realize that this is brainwashing. In regard to how these are the people that will blindly take what the CDC, CDC, the FDA, and the White House tells them the facts are, and because they think that's what smart people do. It's the same way you would train this the police force to be all the same way, or the military, and you cultivate a situation where the people all have the same mindset, or the media for that matter. As the manufacturing consent documentary very famously put, that or it was, uh, I'm suddenly blanking on his name all of a sudden... You guys know I'm talking about. I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. You know, kind of lost his mind with COVID, but saying that, you know, you wouldn't already, you wouldn't be in the position of an anchor if you didn't already hold certain beliefs. You may think you're right still, but you got put there because they know you already think a certain way. That's how this works. So when we're talking about 500,000 people being trained by the very people that just lied your pants off through all of COVID and it's still happening, training those 500,000 people, that's going to have a huge effect on the global health security situation. It'll help them lock it down. In line with the Bias-Harris administration's Global Health Worker Initiative, the America's Health Corps will support the expansion and training of a robust, resilient, and highly skilled workforce capable of providing health services to all segments of society. 500,000 people that they train specifically do the way they want it to do, that's going to proliferate. On a side note again, by the way, am I crazy and think, and people have made this point, when when in the past have they used the Biden-Harris administration, right? Did they say the... Trump-Pence administration? Do they say the Obama-Biden administration? No, they just said Obama or Trump. Interesting now that it's the Biden-Harris. Of course, they really want to push in your brother, woman and you know whatever else, or maybe because they're suggesting something. I don't know, but interesting. 
goes on to say, promoting the next generation of global health workforce leaders by identifying, mentoring, and empowering professionals and community health workers. Promoting the next generation of global health workforce. That's what you should take away. They are, it's, it's like training the preschoolers to think a certain way. So when they come into, when they become, high, you know, adults that vote, they have, they're already brainwashed, right? This is what this is. They are, they are building out the future of the health security network. The U.S. government reiterated its commitment to, sh- to get shots in arms. Great. So, I mean, are we pretending there are people out there that have not understand, that are confused about what's going on, that aren't aware that you've offered it 30,000 times, that you've threatened their lives, that you've threatened their jobs, that you've threatened their livelihood, that you've threatened their families, get it or you're going to go to jail or whatever else is happening, or you won't be able to live your life properly. Like we've been threatened, we've been forced, we've been asked, we've been threatened, everything, everything's happened. Every person on this planet is aware that they've been offered an injection. So when you hear them say, reiterate its commitment to get shots in arms, that they're focusing on you. That means, you, just like I've said from the beginning, no was never an option. They're just going to come back later. That should scare you because it's pretty scary. that they're, they, they're, we've, We're committed to get shots in arms. Well, everybody who wants one has gotten one. So now we're talking about forcing people that haven't to get them. That's what that is. Now you could argue, Noam Chomsky, thank you for the chat. You could argue forcing it in or you could argue pressuring it more. The point is they're still going to continue to try, even though you have a right to say no. Now it says, in support of global efforts to vaccinate 70% of the population in all countries. Isn't that funny how that goalpost moved pretty far? That it went for, you know, herd, herd immunity in the in the country is, you know, what Fauci was screaming. We need 60, 70% or the 80, the 90, and now it went 70% of the world. Then it's going to go, oh, we need 90% of the world or whatever else. It's just a moving goalpost. How does, I mean, if what they said is one person anywhere unvaccinated could cause a variant, it could cause everything to stop, it means nothing. Because that's not true, by the way. The people that are taking the injection that are spreading it rampantly and with a leaky vaccine are the ones actually causing the variants and actually causing this to continue, which is very clear to anybody that can think past their propaganda that's in front of them. But here we have the idea that they're just going, well, we continue to support the idea of this never-ending goal. It'll never happen. Because when it goes from three shots to four shots to five shots to six shots, we don't even know what's happening anymore. Where's the 70%? Are we talking two shots because they still call that fully vaccinated? Or are we talking about up-to-date, which is whatever they say it is? They don't even mention those words. It's meant to be ambiguous. It ends when they say it does. Everything means nothing. Nothing means everything. The United States will continue to help, of course, by doing what? Fighting misinformation and disinformation to increase vaccine confidence and demand. Well, that's pretty interesting. I think that's the saying the quiet part out loud, isn't it? So in a, the way that they'll help support people getting injected is to fight against you spreading what they say is mis and disinformation. You know where we're going next in this because that's the whole point. The, you, mean, you mean the misinformation that they just got caught lying about? The people that were leading it caught spreading their own misinformation and only censoring political points? Yeah, that's the, that's the kind we're talking about. That applies to all of this, whether it's Ukraine or COVID-19, but they're still doing it. They can get caught just like with Ukraine or COVID or anything else. Blatantly caught lying or making things up and they just jump to the next one. That's why I keep telling you that people aren't buying it. They see it. They just jump to the next one and then act like everyone buys it. That's what they keep doing. And sometimes we all fall for it. Fighting misinformation and disinformation to increase vaccine confidence and demand. Why is it their job to increase the demand of vaccines? That's company stuff. That is Pfizer and Moderna, and that is profitability. Just like, I mean, just like here, let me play a clip actually, and I'll, I'll play another one after that in regard to the absolute risk. But here's what Fauci had said in the past in regard to the universal vaccine. And I've played this a few times. 
And this goes all the way back, talking about how we're going to get this to where everybody gets the ejections every year, and this will be good for the companies because they can bank on you getting them. That's the point, guys. There's always profit involved with this. You know, as a public health person, I would think that the goal that I would see to really stabilize the system and therefore make it less of a crisis issue when you get to have a pandemic uh, flu, which we know will, will again occur as was predicted, uh, even though they're rare events, they do occur, is to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And, and what we foresee in the future is that influenza vaccine will be something that is essentially a routine vaccination for everyone. And if we then transition that into the universal vaccine, then you may only have to do that every couple of years and get people protected not only from seasonal flu, but from pandemic flu. In my mind, that's the end game. And that's good for the companies, too, because they're going to know and predict that every year the vast majority of the American population is going to get vaccinated, not having to guess will they or will they not this year or next year. Oops, sorry about that. So the, the interesting point. I mean, it's, you know, it, I love how he says when you when we, next time we get to have a pandemic, like he's like he's salivating about it. I mean, that's not my opinion, guys. You can watch the history of this development. And even like I said, I keep saying the WHO, the BMJ, the HHS, they specifically called out these groups for being using fear to push pandemics of fear and, and all too excited about, you know, taking up the next pandemic. I mean, that's what they continued to report. Or up until, you know, this all ended up stopping. Let me see if I can grab that real quick since I referenced it twice already. You guys have seen me go over this many times, but this is back in 2011. Before we got here, health is more than influenza. Repeated pandemics of health scares caused by pandemics of a culture of fear. And as it says here that in both pandemics of fear, by the way, both of which they point back at now as dangerous things. But here's the WHO literally calling them fake. The exaggerated claims of severe public health threats stem primarily from disease advocacy by influenza experts. In the highly competitive market of health governance and the struggle for attention, budgets and grants is fierce. The pharmaceutical industry and the media only reacted to this welcome boon. The final point down here is it says, where was it? Disease experts wish to capture public attention and sway resource allocation decisions in favor of the disease of their interest. That is what we're watching. When we next time we get to have a pandemic, he's all you know. I mean, you can almost hear the excitement in his voice. Now, my my opinion, subjective, obviously, but that's important because he's talking about the step to the universal vaccines, and that's where this all goes. These are going to continue, and this is this is how they're they're transitioning the mRNA platform, the COVID injections. Like that's where this is all going. Demand. Oh, and that's the other point in this as well, by the way. So it's, it's about creating the demand for the injections. That's what the HHS one actually said. Right there, in fact. Look at that. I got them all queued up, apparently. But that, that's what this one said in regard to, I'll include both of these for you to check out, if that finally loads, where it talks about, you know, the whole point at the bottom of this was about the 2004 National Influenza Vaccine Summit, where they basically stood up and said, look, we need to increase sales. And so what they do, this is where they combined the, the first time they combined pneumonia with influenza and called it all one thing. And that's what they're calling out right here, that they claimed it was all influenza. But guess what? In 2001, 61,000 of which were attributed to pneumonia alone and only 257 were actually flu and only 18 of the cases were actually identified. But, but 60,000 people died from the flu. That's what we get from that. They're, they all called it out back then, but nobody wants to talk about it now, except us, apparently. Going forward, strengthen our global health security. Expanding the number of U.S. You, the, basically, it's expanding the number of CDC locations and experts. 
That's what we should all want, right? Expanding U.S. aid, more regime change, expanding the U.S. government. Great, right? It goes on to talk about how he's applied health security and stuff and whatever else, but that's, that's the takeaway. More government, more control, more control over your health for freedom. Strengthening surveillance networks, improving detection <clears throat> and responding and response to infectious diseases by supporting acute febrile illness surveillance and increasing capacity for genomic surveillance. Right. So they want to monitor you, not just in your life and your phone, but now your health, your internal, your your body. That's what they want to monitor. That's what they're telling you. Strengthening partnerships with private non-governmental and international organizations to improve global health security. Right. It's a global biosecurity state. Build capabilities in countries to map, develop, refine, and utilize legal frameworks and authorities to prepare for and respond to public health emergencies. Public-private partnerships. This is the whole idea. But the bottom line is, look, I'm not arguing that we shouldn't be safe or be concerned about health. But the point is, these people are using health as a means to an end to control your life. Anybody not see what just happened over the last two years? I mean, how do we miss this? Then on the final point here, which I took too long on, I know, but the lockdown point. And this is a really important one that I should flush out more in another show. But the idea is that we were told, right, that even floated many times that lockdowns would be good for climate change, right? Because they reduce carbon. Well, first of all, there's a whole discussion to be had around there. Again, I always shout out Tony Heller. You should really check out his work in regard to the illusion that is climate change in regard to the politicization of what they're doing around all of this. But the idea is that they said, well, it, it reduced because of a lockdown. Well, that wasn't even true. That came out really early. That wasn't true. But guess what? Even more so is showing you that what actually happened was the reverse. Here's Vitola pointing this out. Thank you for sharing this. After two years of greatly reduced travel, mobility, and industrial activity, they measured the highest CO2 levels in human history. Not a joke. This guy complains we're not doing enough. Kind of dispels the idea human activity is the driver, right? Here's the weather network. Carbon dioxide now, right now, and this is June 8th. It's yesterday. Carbon dioxide now at record levels, not seen in over 4 million years. And I'm not, this isn't something that's concerning me at all. I'm not, this is not concerning to me. I don't believe this means what people think it means. COT, CO2 concentrations have never been as high as they are right now during the entire existence of humans on the planet and are also going back millions of years. Now, by that logic, we should all be dying of heat or cold or whatever they say is going to happen, which it flips flops back and forth. But nope, because that's not what's really going on. The idea of how this affects you and the climate change and the carbon and cow farts and growing and everything else they're all talking about and how we need to reduce all this stuff, your carbon footprint. All these things are actually manipulating the reality of what's going on. There are people out there that would argue that the world actually greatly needs carbon to continue and that what we're doing is hurting the planet. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. The bottom line is their illusion of what they're claiming is happening is not really what's happening. At the very least, the notion that lockdowns would help us in that regard for climate change because that's what they're floating for the next delusion is not even remotely true i don't know why this keeps on on that's weird i had this highlighted but it says roughly one year ago daily carbon dioxide levels measured at noaa's moana loa atmospheric baseline observatory on a high mountain in hawaii reached 420 parts per million for the first time ever on april 20th 2021 look at that now, of course, the point was that this is the highest part ever. And if you read, go into this whole thing, all the way through the lockdowns, 2020, 2021, this was higher. And now even to right now, by the way, in 2022, daily measurements for CO2 have climbed into an even higher maximum. They're higher now than they've ever been. Now, that doesn't make sense. 
You can't just be like, well, we stopped lockdowns. That's therefore it went up. Well, no, that was happening during the lockdowns. The point is it got even worse now, even though we're still at a reduced level from where we were before COVID. That does, does not add up. It pretty much goes back to what he just said. This pretty well dispels the idea that human activity is the driver, even remotely, it would seem. But I'm not, you, you can read into it for yourself. The bottom line is you are being deceived in this way, like everything else that's going on, we are constantly being lied to, to achieve political ends. And don't forget, by the way, this is the thing they're floating going forward for the Great Reset future, right? Alibaba Group President Michael Evans boasting that the World Economic Forum about the development of an individual carbon footprint, footprint tracker to monitor what you buy, what you eat, and where you travel. We've already talked about this. It's incredible. They are openly telling you we're going to build you a tool that's going to help you track the thing that's not actually doing what you're saying it's doing, but we're going to use this to control you under the guise that you're doing the right thing. This is social credit. This is where this all goes. Now, bringing this over into the idea of misinformation and fake news and everything else, I want to make a quick point about something James Melville posted. Because I do, I obviously strongly believe that the two-party illusion is the hugest detriment to actual awareness. And like the last important step to crossing these illusion of party lines to actually make a difference. Because as long as we're not in agreement, we're divided and we're fighting ourselves. And that's the whole point. So what he says here, I'm not going to play the video. He just says, as a left winger, I haven't changed my beliefs. But I am concerned by how many on the left are supporting or appear to be turning a blind eye to authoritarianism or corporate influence on governments. I haven't left the left. The left has left me. Now, what's very interesting to me about this, and it was kind of spurred a a thought to me in my mind. Think about what's happening today. Like there's this whole big push from the Republican side about, you know, what's the term they're using? I forget now. It's like the, the great, the great. fleeing or what do they call it? Anyway, the idea that all these Democrats are fleeing to the Republican side. Of course, it's very politicized. But let me ask you a question, guys. If you have beliefs, right, strong beliefs about, I mean, whether whether they're wedge issues or whatever you strongly believe in, right, you really believe in the idea of this or that, and you believe that's a Democratic belief structure. Okay. Now, if you have those strong beliefs, why would you change teams Because those people over there no longer agree with those beliefs. Do those beliefs align with the right? I mean, I don't even know how that makes sense. The idea is they're pretending that the other side is now their side because they're, the point is they're changing teams. It's like team sports. His point is, look, I believe things. That's the truth that I believe associate with the left. That's his opinion. But they no longer agree with these things. So for him to suddenly change sides doesn't make any sense. That means he didn't truly believe in the things he said he believed in. It's just all politics. And and sorry, there's light coming through the window. Paul, I forgot to pull the thing down. <laughs> At the end of the day, it just we need to think about how ridiculous that is. That we're watching this play out like some kind of game where people are pretending to switch sides, and that that's that's ridiculous. That's wishy-washy. That is that is nothing is sacred. That is. Uh, fair weather politics. You're just jumping sides because you think that's the one. You should stand by what you believe in. And if you think your side suddenly doesn't believe those things anymore, then you should go, they're the ones that are wrong and I'm still what I said I was. Either it means that you didn't believe you were what you said you were or that your thoughts didn't actually align with what you thought they did. It's ridiculous. So back to his point. The left, I haven't left the left, the left has left me. Now I strongly stand by the argument that this two-party illusion is what we need to see this as. 
But that has never meant that people don't identify as those things. It just means that the actual system is the illusion. That you're tapping into one side or the other when they're all really on the same side over there. You guys are sure as hell fighting each other. You guys sure as hell believe you're left and right, conservative and Democrat and liberal and conservative, of course. Or Republican and Democrat, excuse me. But I just think that's an interesting point, isn't it? That you have all these people jumping around and acting like the two-party illusion is what is hurting us. So I actually, I actually find, I respect that, that he's going, look, I still stand by what I believe, even if I can point out that the left, really the whole government, is aggressively authoritarian today. Not standing up for your rights, as much as they want to pretend and say they are, what actually happens is the other direction. Now, <clears throat> on the note of misinformation and fake news and, and all the things happening in partisanship, that's the main point here. There's an interesting story that, that Derek just covered yesterday that's horrific. But it's interestingly, it's got it's not getting as much reach as I would have expected, not from us or anywhere for that matter. But I argue the reason that is, if I'm just if I'm gonna guess at it, is because people associate this topic as partisan. That it's a Republican thing. That there's no such thing as child abuse or pedophiles except over in the Republican fake news side. Like that's actually I mean the idea that human trafficking was fake news, but then Epstein happened, and then we went right back to it. Foul tra human trafficking, that's fake news story. That's Republican stuff. Like for crying out loud, guys, we literally just had an entire story about child sex, black, child sexual trafficking and, and blackmail of elitists in order to manipulate them in politics. That's Epstein's story. They've had to admit to that. And yet the very thing we discuss is fake news. He was just one person in a massive network and they acted like that was all over. Right? As a meme I just saw, which I was laughing about is, so just like Maxwell can be charged with trafficking and yet nobody is accused of being trafficked to. How exactly can you ca catch her in the act of something or accuse her of that when you don't like, so who is the one that she trafficked to? I mean, realistically, if you're charging her for that, then you have evidence that she trafficked to somebody. Who is that person? Right? On the list, apparently, there's no clients. <laughs> it's just, this is ridiculous. But again, don't, don't miss that we're sitting here over here watching moment by moment coverage of Johnny Depp's trial. Yeah, by the way, Derek has done excellent work on this and, and the finders and, and Epstein and plenty of other topics in this horrific discussion. But the, the story here is Utah County Sheriff's Office stands up and says, we have evidence, multiple counties, high-level people of what he said, quote, ritualistic child sex abuse, which is a real thing, regardless of how people might lie about it or misconstrue things or use politics to push it. You know, there's a lot of, you know, QAnon, for instance, has dived aggressively into that. I think that's why, largely to cover that this is actually happening. But the point is to just kind of quickly go over, please read the article, is that it's a very strange thing happening right now where they're standing up and calling this out. You have an attorney of the, of the county stand up and go, they're accusing me of cannibalism. And the guy's like, well, you're not even in our discussion. And it's very, that's the guy in this video. It seems very, very guilty if you ask me in regard to how he's acting, but I don't know for sure. Let's see how the evidence flushes out. But this is continuing, and they're calling out some high-level, or they claim it relates to some high-level people. And they have evidence of stuff that goes back to phone calls that they just dismissed that are pretty gross and horrific. But the bottom line is, T-Lav, as Derek writes, will continue to follow this investigation and report on updates as needed. And he'll also be releasing additional reports looking back into the allegations against this person, David Levitt, who is the person in the image, the county prosecutor, accusations of ritualized sexual abuse and in Utah going all the way back to the 1980s. So expect more coverage on this topic in particular. That's this guy right here. Oh, the county attorney, excuse me. Now, the point as well, on top of that, I want to just make a quick reference down here to some of the other work that's been done. 
2019. Uh, no, excuse me. That's actually been reposted. That was in 2019. I think that was done in 2016. But this is six case studies that point to massive pedophilia rings, the highest levels of power, all sourced coming directly from high level. I mean, this is six case studies, not just hyperbole. This is directly tied back to high level investigations and six different studies over multiple years that show you these things exist undeniably. There's a lot in here you should check out in regard to other, you know, work that's been done on this platform. Here is the actual discussion on on a mainstream platform, if that makes a difference to you. But the point is, this stuff is everywhere. And I think it's getting dismissed as partisan. Here's another example. Somebody just shared this from local news, local news Roswell. Two preschool teachers in Roswell arrested for abusing children on camera. And it says, what what the hell, what's wrong with people to be like this to children? You've got to teach them right from wrong and so on. But here, let's, let's quickly watch the beginning of this video. This is, at, this is happening in real time, but we'll dismiss these topics as ridiculous if they apply to famous or high-level people. How does that even possibly make sense? New at 4 o'clock, two preschool teachers are under arrest and charged with cruelty to children. The alleged abuse was witnessed over live video from the classroom by the parents of one of the students. Channel 2 Steve Gelbach is live for us in Roswell. And Steve, you spoke with the mother of one of the alleged victims. And it was inside a three-year-old classroom here at Parker Chase Preschool off Holcomb Bridge. And one mom, she just wanted to check on her son. She pulled up that camera inside on her cell phone last Thursday. And we want to show you what she saw. I saw it, but I, I was like, no, I didn't see that. One mom was watching her three-year-old son's classroom at Parker Chase Preschool in Roswell. You see the teacher standing in the scarf, seeming to place her foot on one child's fingers as the other teacher gets in the face of another little girl. Then the first, 40-year-old Zina Alaswani uses her leg to shove the girl in the back. I spoke with that victim's mother over the phone who doesn't want to be identified. It was a matter of seconds, and we knew that that what we had seen was deliberate, and we were really, I mean, my stomach was just in my throat at that point. So it's obviously not on the same scale as the things we've talked about before, but the point here is to recognize that there's a lot of this kind of stuff going on that's far, far, far worse than that. And the idea that these people... I mean, especially during COVID-19, have treated this like they're bad people, like young children in kindergarten level because they don't want to wear a mask because their parents tell them not to, and they treat them differently. And I'm not saying that's everywhere. There's plenty of good teachers out there. But the reality is that this is not all one thing. There is plenty of people in politics, in government, in teacher, in, 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 as teachers, as doctors, as scientists that are terrible people that would lie to you at a drop of a hat if it benefited them or to cover something up or because they get paid to. Like, we just need to realize that. Whether it's a lab coat or a name badge or whatever else, it doesn't make them altruistic by ver- by default. This is just, her- it's stuff like this that makes me upset. And there's even worse things that we can go forward on we've already talked about, like like the FBI and Nassar. This is New York Times. Nassar victims are now suing the FBI for early investigative failures. Right, they failed to act on aggressive man- molestation and, manipul- and sexual assault for years when they knew it because they just failed. They dragged their feet. No, they were trying to set something up and do what they wanted and allowed these girls to be molested and raped and abused for years. That's the story. It doesn't matter why or what bigger thing they thought they could get. They knew these girls were being abused and they let it happen. I covered this way back when this was first happening. We made the same argument. Way way to catch up, New York Times. Good job. Good job. The point is, guys, this is disgusting. And the FBI is constantly doing this. In my opinion, it's probably because they wanted to use this to achieve something else. They don't care. 
And that's, that's what history has shown us. That's not my opinion. They will set people up. They will, they will, they will do, um, uh, oh shoot, what's the term? Entrapment? Put people in positions where they don't even know. They, they will drive people to action based on manipulation and they call them out for, like, they will then arrest them for something that they got pushed into. Even if there's other factors. But this is just something that really gets under my skin. And the point we need to walk away from seeing on this is that why are we believing that they're going to hold people accountable? Whether it's the FBI or the government or anybody else, the media, while this stuff has happened so blatantly right up until today. Here's another interesting one. UK prosecutors authorize assault charges against Weinstein. Remember Harvey Weinstein? What about the U.S.? Oh, who cares, right? Because we don't we don't care about, you know, we're... Jeez, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, UK of all places usually historically has been one of the worst in regard to, you know, the government and how this ties back to it. But why wouldn't the US be saying something about this? In any case, guys, think about how long this has taken. Now, I'm not, I'm not even getting into due process and all these different things. It's amazing how these things can happen in a a matter of weeks in some cases. But yeah, we have this drug out over the process of years for Harvey Weinstein. And only now, after a million, so many people come forward, and all of the independent media harps on this, and after all the cover-ups, and after everything that's happened, they finally get something to happen. And how much you want to bet this still does not go the way you think it does. That they're only now authorizing charges. We still have to go through the process. This person, how much you want to bet, is going to skate in one way or another. But just my point is that we're still going through this process for Harvey Weinstein, all the way till now. And it's, I mean, think about how obvious this case is. His own community turned on him. High-level stars and people in Hollywood. So yeah, he's raping people. This is a this is there's clips and jokes on Saturday Night Live or on cartoons. This is an obvious story that everybody knows, and still it hasn't gone to pass. This is only happening because we forced it in, and it still has a ma- Think about all the other things that are happening. Are we really going to pretend they're going to go after people? My point here is that they are protecting these people, guys. From a high-level entity, there are people out there that do not want this to be called out. That They want this to continue to be suppressed. Whatever you want to... There's plenty of reasons why that might be. But we need to recognize from a high level... From a high level, there are people that are suppressing these discussions. That are allowing people like Nassar and Weinstein and Epstein to continue these things over the process of decades. Only until they have to get thrown under the bus at the last possible minute. And even then, I bet you they're hoping we don't pay attention. And this guy gets, you know, a slap on the wrist and goes right back to whatever he's doing. My God. The point overarching here is that we are in a position where the authorities don't care about you. And we're seeing that everywhere. Here's another interesting point. Supreme Court hobbles challenges by inmates based on poor legal representation. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is this is basically going, well, we don't even care if you've got new evidence that suggests that your constitutional rights were not met. We don't even care because you're in jail. Just tough it out. It's not even that far from the truth. Like I'm being facetious, obviously, but I shouldn't say not far from the truth. That's not far from exactly what they're saying here. This is the truth. But it says the U.S. Supreme Court ruled Monday, and this was May 23rd, that the state prisoners have no constitutional right which they don't have they don't have the ability to do by the way they don't get to say you don't have a constitutional right that's enshrined but saying well now prisoners in state prisons no longer have constitutional right to present new evidence in federal court to support their claims that they were represented at trial and on appeal in state courts by unqualified or otherwise deficient lawyers which by the way are rampant especially if you don't have money which is most people in these positions they get stuck with some ridiculous uh, you know, the public defender. 
And those places specifically are dramatically underfunded. They don't have any of the resources. And that's the point. They're creating a situation where you plead out because that's what you can do because otherwise you're going to get screwed. So you don't even get to see a day, a day in court, which is also a travesty of justice. And then you get somebody even within that process that is completely, somebody barely understands what to do in some cases. I mean, I shouldn't say there's plenty of really good public defenders that really do care and so on, but their bottom line is they just don't have the resources. So you're put up in a situation where you are guaranteed to be at the very least at a huge detriment or, you know, you are in a bad position. But now they're going, well, even though it's your right enshrined by the constitution, we're going to say you just can't do that because it's just bad for the system. It says, oh, okay, sorry, I read that down. It says the vote was six to three along ideological lines. Of course, making it a partisan thing, because that's how they can't stand, but that's everything to them. It's because, I mean, how is it even a partisan discussion, for crying out loud? These are judge. these are, uh, this is in a Supreme Court. They're judges, right? Their only job is to uphold the Constitution. That's it. And many of them are failing every single day. People like Kavanaugh, what, what side you're talking about? People like Kavanaugh have regularly shown you that they don't care about the Constitution with things like the Patriot Act. They don't care. It's, it's usually all politics driving them. But it says in 2012, the court ruled that when a state court substantially interferes with a defendant's constitutional right to be represented by counsel, the defendant with a new, with a new lawyer may appeal to federal court to show that he was denied his right to effective counsel. Oh, today they wouldn't be allowed to say he. Oh, God, how insulting. But the idea, guys, is that this is something that was already there. So you're allowed to challenge, at least try to, that you didn't have proper representation. Now, I get how that system could be abused. And trust me, on a different conversation, I would be waxing intellectual about how the appeal system is. You know, the, but the point here is that it's still your right and that this does happen. And the, the, the things that should be taken away are from the power source, not the small person that's barely getting by. Right. This should be the prosecutor's office, the government, the, the systems that are completely keeping this under, allowing the system to be broken in and of itself. But it says, he said that federal courts may not hear new evidence obtained after conviction to show how deficient the trial or appellate court, a lawyer in state court was. So if you have evidence that shows that you, this guy had no idea what he's doing, he made all sorts of mistakes, which by the way, are a valid reason to, to appeal. You're no longer allowed to do that. To allow such evidence to be presented in federal court, he said, quote, encourages prisoners to sandbag state courts. You see, this is a this is a hollow, this is a straw man argument. Are you are you going to pretend like there's not a thousand ways that the prosecutor's office knows to do the same thing? That they take advantage of loopholes in the law? That's what they paid to do. But you can't allow them the same leeway on the other side of it, right? Just because they can abuse it doesn't mean it's not still a valid process. But that's other. They just, it's easier for them. It says and it, it, the, the act of allowing them to possibly sandbag the court is depriving the states of the finality that is essential to both the, retro, ret, the retributive and deterrent function of criminal law. Right. They have to pay for their time. Right. Retribution. Well, what about the fact that they may not be guilty? Doesn't matter. It's, it needs to be final. We said it and therefore it's over. That's the point. What we say stands. This is leading to a point to where the law doesn't matter, the Constitution doesn't matter. When they rule, you have to follow. When the government says, you have to walk. When they say do something, you have to do it. When you have to get an injection, you have to do it. When the courts, I mean, this is where this is all going. Your constitutional rights have constantly, for years now, been chipped away, chipped away. But it's never been this obvious. It says, writing for the three dissenters, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, 
Sotomayor called the decision perverse and illogical, which I agree with. It shouldn't take this as a partisan point, guys, even though partisan plays into it. The Sixth Amendment, quote, guarantees criminal defendants the right to effective assistance of counsel at trial. Because otherwise the point would be that it's predetermined that they're guilty, oh, he's a murderer, so therefore we're going to make sure that he gets screwed. That's what happens even today. The point being, though, they made this so you would have to, at very least, have real counsel that would be willing to argue things in the best way possible, even though he might even know that you're guilty. It's just a, it's a constitutional right, especially for the time when they all think you're guilty when you actually aren't. That's when that really matters. But it says today, however, the court hamstrings the federal court's authority to safeguard that right. It's nobody's place to over you. Constitutional rights are inalienable and shall not be infringed. God given. They are just pretending that they have the ability to legal to to pass to, to, I guess, rule that away. It says, quote, the opinion leaves innocent people in the nightmarish position of having no court to go to for justice. Like, imagine the person who went to jail and they were innocent. That person is screwed now. The very possibility that's even happening is something is enough to make this allowable. God forbid you should have to go through more processes of people trying to abuse the system just like you all do to us. God forbid. Just to make sure that one person doesn't end up in prison for the rest of his life in a horrific situation because we all know they make sure it's horrific. We know all the stuff that I mean, look, it's not, I mean, one of the things in life that you can actually realize is as scary as it is portrayed on movies is the prison system. There's a reason for that. It's a threat. It's a quiet, subtle, subtle threat. Don't do anything wrong or bad. Don't challenge what we say because that's where you could end up. And it's horrible. And it really is. I mean, I have people, law enforcement in my family that will tell you some ridiculous stories that is allowed. Drug trafficking, human trafficking, rape, and all the horrible things that we heard. It's pretty rampant. And they allow that. So these people, you could end up there as an innocent person. Doesn't matter anymore. It just makes, it just upsets me that we're in a position where this stuff is still going on. Now on a couple of other side points, and it just kind of goes into the broad partisan manipulation of what things mean, right? That there's meaning to these things, guys. Inalienable means something. Same point here. Guess what? Daily Mail, woke researchers call for term morbidly obese to be banned because it's offensive. Does it, is it, is it a valid term? Of course it is. Is it scientifically correct? Yes, it is because it's morbid. It means that you're potentially dangerously obese, meaning that you could potentially have lethal side effects, but don't say it because it hurts your feelings. Maybe don't be morbidly obese then. Just, just a thought. I mean, look, I myself just lost a bunch of weight during this process because it just motivated me to do so. But it's, I mean, look, I get there are people out there that may have issues, you know, bot system issues that make them unable to lose weight or blah, blah, blah. That does exist, but it's far less than we pretend. The bottom line is that even if it's your problem, then just own that problem. You don't just pretend it's not what it is. It hurts my feelings. Don't call me that. And don't call unsuccessful diets failures. Like this is just baby, this is baby ear stuff. Like you're that sensitive that we can't be like, oh, that failed. Oh, if don't say failed. Like I just can't get past how childish this is. I mean, where are these people? Where are they being grown? Because this is ridiculous. Now, again, I do know that our system of schooling is what is pumping these things out. But the bottom line is it's that words mean something. To change the word changes the reality. And that's why they're doing all of this. 
and it's not being changed because it is a different because it it's being changed because of people's feelings. It's subjective, and everything like this is subjective. And but there, but I believe it's happening for a reason, like the one we just talked about here. Remember this: judge rules that bees legally can be fished. Now, the overarching point here is not necessarily that it's as simple as it sounds. But really, this is more not so much about the woke mentality, but more so about the fact that our system is just broken. That instead of realizing the whole point here is that they were classified as uh, where was it the word? Oh, it's I can't I, I forget the word they use. But there's a certain category of of animals that just so happened to include bees that were more associated with fish. One of which was a snail that was on the land as well. But they're all under the category which mostly finds them in the water as fish. Verti- what was the word? I can't remember now. Anyway, the bottom line is we all know that bees aren't fish, but simply because that was the way it was categorized decades ago, instead of addressing how dumb that is and going, well, we obviously know that's not true. They all just fell into the bureaucracy of it all and the red tape and said, well, how about we just we'll rule on it and say, well, because that's the thing it said, we'll just legally rule that they are fish now. It's like, how about we just don't be stupid and stand back and go, obviously they're not fish and let's just change the, stu- the, the verbiage. But no, because there's legal stuff involved in different groups that have different legal standing points. It's ridiculous. But my point, guys, is they're creating a situation where words are meaningless. That nothing means anything and everything means nothing. I can't keep... That is important today. Now, on the point of the same idea of misinformation. Actual misinformation. Intentional misinformation. Partisan misinformation. This is a random side point that has to do with an old video, but this is happening all over the place. And they're going to use stuff like this to argue this is what we're all doing to censor everybody, which they're going to do anyway. But my point is that this is the kind of stuff that's happening, and we need to be better as the majority that understands we're being lied to. Now, as I said, in case any of you stuck in two-party illusion land still care about facts, below is is a full YouTube clip, and I'll show you in a second, of Obama and what he's saying, actually saying here. Now, trust me, I said he's a tyrant and a liar. Hear me on that. Obama, like like Trump, like Biden, are puppets that are terrible, that have been abusing your rights, that have been, you know, Obama was really good about looking like a really kind person on the surface while he was doing terrible things behind the scenes, like a lot of them are, but he is just like the rest of them. Bombed people, murdered people all over the world, raised the the drone bombing campaigns to a horrific state to where these people are war criminals, just so that's clear. But I said, nonetheless, this video is edited and deliberately taken out of context to make it seem like he said something he did not. It doesn't matter whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, or someone who realizes they're both ridiculous. You should still be able to go, look, that's not true. What he said there is taken out of context, or it's misrepresented, or it's edited. And I still think he's a terrible human being. We should be able to do that. But not. But apparently, we're, we're being driven in a position where we're becoming too childish to be able to admit stuff like that. But here is the clip. I want to have it next. Let me see. Okay. Here's the clip, first of all. And what it's saying. And it's a little low, but just what he's basically saying is that you're, you know, people are too simple minded to be able to make ruling choices for themselves. And that's the idea. Well, he didn't say that, but here, play this first. This this will be important. Let me just grab the clip real quickly. I think I probably had it from before. But as I'm grabbing this. Basically saying that the international order is important and that we need to, you know, basically that people are too small-minded or something like that to think for themselves. Now, it wouldn't surprise me, to be quite honest, if he said that, or any of them said that, but I would argue they would probably make sure never to say that in front of a crowd where you could record it and play it somewhere. But listen to hear this, this. So this is what he said first. 
or what they the the edited clip says that he said. For the international order that we have worked for generations to build, ordinary men and women. Right there was a cut, by the way. That is what he said. That first part, which I which alarms me. The international order they call that a fake news story. But so that's where it cut. Uh, something was said right in between that, and now it says this. Women are ordinary men and women. Ordinary men and women are too small-minded to govern their own affairs. The order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. Now note that he said that, that. The order and progress. That order and progress are too small. You know, that's not how you would say that. That was, that was the first indication. Because the whole thing is they cut out the prefacing point, which is that some people think like this. That's what he said. And they made sure to cut that out. Now I'll play it next for you. Now, why would you do that? If you, in, for any other reason than trying to intentionally misinform people, because that's not what he said. Well, you could argue it's lying for your truth. Maybe this, I don't, I don't believe, I don't know if it's this girl who did this or whoever she got it from. But the point is, you may be lying for your truth. You believe that that's what he believes. So I'm going to lie about it because he does really believe it, which all the parts people do from all sides. Or they just don't care. And they just lie because they want to get clicks. But as it says, and she quoted, this video has been deleted for every platform years ago. Take that. Yeah, well, I don't agree with this should be deleted, but it's, it is definitely incorrect. Here's what he says. And for the international order that we have worked for generations to build. Throughout human history, societies have grappled with fundamental questions of how to organize themselves, the proper relationship between the individual and the state, the best means to resolve inevitable conflicts between states. And it was here in Europe, through centuries of struggle, through war and enlightenment, repression and revolution, that a particular set of ideals began to emerge. The belief that through conscience and free will, each of us has the right to live as we choose. The belief that power is derived from the consent of the governed and that laws and institutions should be established to protect that understanding. And those ideas eventually inspired a band of colonialists across an ocean. And they wrote them into the founding documents that still guide America today, including the simple truth. Dang it. I'm sorry. Hold on. I thought there was less time in between those cuts. I didn't really necessarily. I don't actually buy that he believes most of what he's saying, just to be quite honest. But hold on. Let me find where it goes into the part where they cut it out. All men in Europe and around the world. Those ideals have often been threatened there you go. around the world. Those ideals have often been threatened by an older, more traditional view of power. Right there. This alternative vision argues that ordinary men and women are too small-minded to govern their own affairs. That order and progress can only come when individuals surrender their rights to an all-powerful sovereign. Often, this alternative vision roots itself in the notion that by virtue of race, 
or faith. Okay, so obviously that's not what he said. It took too long to get to this point because I just think this is the only the real takeaway, guys, is just that there are people out there that are willfully deceiving you. Now, I'm not supporting Obama. I'm not defending Obama. I think as very I very clearly think that his his own actions have shown that all of that's a bunch of hollow words to get you to think that he's something that he's not or he does whatever you want to think. His actions showed you the opposite, period. But we, but we need to care about the truth, don't we? Even if it's the truth that is, like, it's the same in reverse about people arguing that they don't want to defend speech they don't agree with, right? We defend the truth, period. It's what we do. Even if that truth is not what we want to see, the truth is what matters. And that's the reality that he is being, now the point in this whole thing is, as I remember when this came out and the response was that it was all taken out of context. He didn't really mean it. It was like, because that's the truth, right? I mean, that's exactly what actually happened. But there's so many co- comments in here where people are going like, oh, that's fake. And the guy's like, oh, right here, fake edits. And people respond and they go, show the original. Shut up, bot. You're triggered or libtard. Like these people just don't care. They don't even care to find out because they believe that's what he said because they saw it on Twitter. And so they just walk away going anything else I don't want to believe in. They don't do due diligence. They don't try to find out. They don't care. It's partisan teams. It's everywhere. Here's another example. This person shared this Australia have approved the license application from big pharma company Paxvax that will allow them to intentionally release a GMO vaccine consisting of live bacteria into Queensland via chemtrails. Now, in fact, I'm almost certain the last part is just a misinterpretation of what they were saying. I'll show you next. Vaccination by chemtrails. The first part of it is actually true, but guess what? It's from 2013. But when you dig into this, you find out that it ties back to well, this is the site, first of all, that they're linking to. And weirdly enough, you can't click on or highlight anything except these certain pages. This comes up to a dead page when you click on it. And there's no source material other than a non-link to, of course, the very, very sound, I'm being facetious, your newswire, which is a just, which by the way, is don't exist anymore. I think it's news punch now, but it's a horrific misinforming site, in my opinion. And, oh, by the way, when you go to yournewswire.com, it's now a sports betting site. Great. Now, the point is, when you go back to actually find this from the site that you can no longer access for some reason, this preventdisease.com, which is it's not, it doesn't come up, it's from 2013. And when you dig into this, it does seem to suggest that it's aerosol. This site also seems to be misunderstanding what they're saying, I think. I'll show you what I mean. But the point, nonetheless, is it's an old story. So your newswire, news punch, whatever else, and this site are all pushing this out as if this is happening now. First, misinform- mis- that's wrong. The second part, I think, is the chemtrail part. I'll show you now. My point is that this is happening constantly, guys. Here's the actual thing. And it didn't take me that long to find it. DIR-126, it's Australia. Receipt of license application. It's a real thing. From PaxVax, you can see up here, 2013, November. PaxVax Australia, uh, limited for a clinical trial of a GM cholera vaccine, which is wildly unnecessary, especially in, in Australia. But it says the, the Office of Gene Technology Regulator has received a license application from PaxVax Australia for the intentional release of a genetically modified bacterial vaccine. And here's why I think this is being misinterpreted. Into the environment. When I first read that, I said, whoa, okay, this is definitely a spraying kind of thing. And it definitely could be. But when you look at the rest of them, it seems that they all say into the environment. And I think all they're doing is doing a test of this in, in, the, in the country. You tell me what you think. It says, which qualifies as a limited and controlled release under the Section 50A of the Gene Technology Act. But by the way, the whole thing of this alarms the hell out of me. That if this has been happening for this long, 
the idea that they're talking about spreading and testing these injections and, and the idea that of something they don't need. But it says Paxbacks Pax is seeking approval to conduct a clinical trial of a GM live bacterial vaccine against cholera. So it doesn't mention the idea of the environment part of it, I think, is how it's being misconstrued as spraying. But it says once underway, the trial is expected to be completed within one year. Trial sites selected from local government lists off the different locations. The trial will be involved in inoculation of approximately 1,000 children and adults. The, applic- the applicant has proposed a number of control measures to res- restrict the spread and persistence of the GM vaccine and its introduced genetic material. So that, again, to me, what, what do you mean the, the control measures to restrict the spread? How, what are we talking about? If it's, in a, if it's a trial in people's arms of 1,000 children and adults, what's the spread we're talking about? Is it a self-spreading vaccine? There's, there's things to be asked here. That's very weird. But and maybe it's just terminology differences in Australia. The Australian people in the chat speak up. I don't think that's what it is. Purpose of the notification at this stage, comment is not sought from members of the public. Oh, cool. So until it's already happening, we don't want your opinion. Later, the public will be asked to comment on a comprehensive risk assessment and risk management plan for the application. Great. So we're going to test people first, and then we're going to see what you think about it. November 13, November 11, 2013. So first point, obviously, is these people are telling you things that aren't true. Take note of them. Make sure you recognize that, especially if they don't circle back and correct it. Here is the web archive of the, this is from the Australian government site. And it's talking about specifically this, uh, the process and application of this administration. And it says the regulator has now made a decision to issue a license in respect of the application of DRI-126. So they licensed this, this drug, this injection, authorizing the clinical trial of a genetically modified vaccine against cholera. DR-126 permits a clinical trial, which is authorized to take place in specific hospitals. So it's in hospitals. So again, that seems counter to the idea that it's being sprayed, but they still seem to say that it stopped the spread, which is very strange to me. But, and it goes from 2014, 2015. Okay. Here is one of the points I want you to see. Why is this happening? Even in 2013, cholera acquired in Australia is very rare. According to the, the Australian government. So why in the world are you testing for an injection for cholera for people that don't need it? This has been going on for a long time. Here is DIR-126. License as of today, or I think as of 2015 forward, is suspended. Or surrendered, excuse me, surrendered. Interesting. There's Paxvax. So what does that mean exactly? Now here's my point in regard to dealings involving intentional release. It talks about into the environment, but you'll clearly see with a lot of these that they're not talking about anything other than a lot of them are agricultural, but like you know, supply of GM influenza vaccines, genetically modified, which is still alarming, but it doesn't seem like they're talking about spraying all of these. But you guys can come to your own conclusions about it. It does seem like there's different verbiage, but I'm pretty sure it's being misunderstood. But then I asked what surrendered is. And here's 126, tax backs, April 10th, 2014. And, and so here is the, the end result of this discussion, and I'll show you some self-spreading next. Here's what the, the final discussion is. First of all, they'd already tried this in 2010. Commercial supply of GM cholera strain of a human vaccine, formerly known as Oracle, was previously approved in Australia. So why this approved injection was already done, 2010. The GMO described in this application is the same GM strain as previously approved of this other injection. Now, why are we talking about GMO injections? Like, this is crazy. And that was aggressively happening in Australia, apparently. But it goes on to say, basically, that they approved this, but they surrendered the license in 2010. Why? Like, what's happening here? I I honestly don't know. I think that's a very interesting process. But then it goes on to say, again, 
They then pushed for this one, the PAX 2000, got it, got a license for it, tested it, put in the population, but then they surrendered the license in 2020. So it went, it was licensed all the way until 2020. Why would they surrender the license? What's going on here? But finally, it says the Vaxcora was approved for oral administration for cholera. Maybe that's why they surrendered it. But why would that make sense? It's a different company. Or technically, I guess it's not. But the point is that this is something they don't need. It's not actually dangerous. Overarching point here, guys, is simply to recognize that there is a lot of interesting and weird things going on, but it matters to understand the process and what it means and whether they're spraying this in the air or whether it was in 2013. Those things matter. Clearly. There's so much. See, this is the crazy part is that some people out there, especially in partisan land, want to pretend like there is no misinformation. Obviously, there's misinformation. But the also point, point on top of that is that you have a right to be wrong. And quite frankly, you have a right to lie. Now, I'm sure as hell going to point out, like I'm doing now, that this person is misinforming you. Then maybe they're lying to you. You have a right to do that. But they also have a right to do that for whatever reason they're doing it. And that's an important thing to take away from this. They're taking away your right to discuss these things. And this is what we're going to get into when we get into the disinformation board. Is that we're getting into a point now where they're just labeling entire conversations. As me and my brother were talking about, in fact. As he was saying that it's like the fire in a theater discussion, right? That it's not just you can't scream fire in a theater. It's that you can't now have a conversation about that. You can't sit around the table and be like, let's, let's debate the idea of screaming fire in a theater. Nope, that's now fake news. You can't say that. You're putting people at risk by even discussing that. Or how about having a discussion about people talking about the discussion? Nope, can't do it. As long as you talk about fire in a theater, like I, not the exact fire in a theater, but use that and whatever that is. Vaccines are dangerous or whatever. You can't do that. You can't even discuss people discussing that vaccines are dangerous. It's off the table. How is that possible? How is it possible we can be in a position where you're not even allowed to discuss whether or not this is a valid place to be? It's because we're so far off the rails that they're just trying to shove this into a hole. They want you not to poke into it because it's a flimsy house of cards and they are desperate to hide the reality. And we're going to get into Ukraine in a second as well. Same point. They're now saying that you, well, same kind of idea from a different angle, right? It's disinformation. What is exactly? You mean like the idea that, you know, what WikiLeaks released around the election? Well, that was true. You admitted it was true, but you said it progressed Russian agendas. Therefore, it shouldn't be discussed. Okay, so the truth is bad when it helps somebody else. That's pretty easy to see. Okay, in their mind, right? Same thing happening now. Those things you're saying progress the Russian agenda. So you're helping Russia? You're a Russian shill? Like, let's make this a very simple point. Let's take something like the sky is blue, right? Pretty simple. Not a cloudy day. Sky is blue. So how about when they say, well, that's a Russian talking point, which is what they're doing to anything they want. Well, the fact that this isn't exactly how the war started. Oh, Russian talking point. Well, it doesn't matter if it's a fact or not. The sky is blue is a Russian talking point. They said so. So now you are disinfo for saying the sky is blue or anything else that's uh, comparable to an obvious fact that you can prove. Just because they say Russia said it, therefore you're disinfo. But that's not true because we just admitted it's a true statement. But this is where it gets broken, you see, is we're not allowed to dive into this. Nothing means everything, everything means nothing. They say it's whatever they say in the moment. That's where we are, and it's dangerous. Now, just to finish off this last segment, realize, regardless of whether they were incorrect, self-spreading vaccines, whether they're sprayed in the air or done any other way, are a very real thing that they've even started to discuss as we're still called fake news for talking about it on Twitter. From self-spreading vaccines to 3D drugs, tech that will stop the pandemic. Oh, weird. That's from 2018. 
We, how can it be fake news in 2020 when they're talking, oh, God, because they're lying to you guys? Now, of course, the earlier discussions are about animal to animal in regard to stopping the zoonotic transfer that plenty of people argue isn't even true. But as we've talked about many times in this article in particular, or Johns Hopkins that we've talked about, they're openly talking about the human version of that right now. So let's not pretend like this is fake news. But this is 2000, this is right here, March 18, 2020. The controversial quest to make a contagious vaccine. Now, in this, they do talk about animals to humans, but they also at least reference the idea that they're trying to talk about human to human. Same way. Just so we see that this is not fake news, despite them being wrong about the one they were covering. See, that's called being objective. I know you guys know that. I'm speaking to the one partisan person out there screaming, you guys are lying. But bringing this over into the the illusion of the disinformation board and rather the whistleblower that comes out and says, hey, guess what? They were never really going to stop disinformation. They were going to stop information they didn't agree with. That's what this is all about. Supreme Court, first of all, doesn't rule in case that overturned Roe versus Wade, extending weight for blockbuster decision. Before we get to the disinformation board, I want to point out that we've they've already floated the idea. And this is where we get into the, the violence part of it, right? You can't say this certain talking point, whether or not it's true, because that's violence. Well, is it violence or are you claiming it leads to violence? They, they, they muddy the waters. This statement is violence. This statement leads to violence. This statement leads to terrorism. This statement leads to fast shootings. This statement leads to blah, blah, blah. Now, does it? Does it even matter? You have free speech. Oh, that's contentious. Of course it matters. Well, it does it though. It's debatable that what you're saying leads to these things. Don't people have agency? Are we going to pretend because I made a statement that guy shoots people and it's beyond his control? Or is it that I influence his actions? Well, now it's quite a bit different, isn't it? Now we have a wholly subjective and debatable plot. Well, the first one was too. But the idea is they're just turning anything they want into certain, it's buzzwords, or how about the fact that we're talking about the Aza Battalion, therefore we're pro-Russia, or that we're promoting shoot. I mean, it, it gets so abstract whatever they want it to be. And we're talking about the threat assessment they just put out, which ties right into the disinformation board, which, which is going to be used. To, it, it's all connected. Now here, Roe versus Wade is an interesting point in this. Weirdly enough, they decide to wait, perfectly stretching out this whole thing to carry into the time they said bad things were going to happen. I wonder if that's going to perfectly time together. You know, we, we watched them push this whole discussion right into, like out of nowhere, this wedge issue got thrown right back into the mix. But it's not really about this in general, in my opinion. It's about creating division amongst the people. And of course, perfectly timed. And don't miss that they're, yes, using that picture right there. My body, my choice. My body, my choice. Except for vaccines, though, you utter hypocrites, right? But the point is, Homeland Security warns of mass casualty violence in the coming months. We just referenced this a moment ago, earlier show. But the point is that they're pretending that because of these things, because of your opinions or grievances with the government, which you have many, we all do, that they're just predicting mass casualty events. What you're going to see here is that it's not really about anything other than normal processes that will lead to, we're having an election coming up, so we need to watch out for violence. Yeah, this is what they're doing. Well, there's stuff over there, so we're going to watch out. You are a threat to them. That's the takeaway. They're acknowledging, even people on the other side of this, and you know, whatever you left-right kind of paradigm, if you want to look at it that way, that they're also potentially violent. How much more do we need to see to recognize that they see you as the threat? They've always seen you as the threat. 
That's why all of this was pointed at you. And that's one of the points I'm getting ahead on in the disinformation board. What was their promise? We're only going to focus on foreign foreign people, foreign areas. Foreign, well, just like the war on terror didn't do. Or the Patriot Act didn't do, even though they said it would. We're going to focus on foreign terrorists. And they pointed it right at you. And all of the history shows you that. You became the focal point, just like with COVID, just like with everything else. It's like Whitney coined, your body is the new battlefield. But the point is, they're just simply saying that you are a dangerous threat. You're a problem. We can't allow this. We need to keep this in control because you don't like us. Maybe it's because you're hurting people, killing people, stealing people, bomb people, suppressing our rights. We have a hell of a right to be upset right now. Here is the DHS issues National Terrorism Advisory System Bolt, and we just touched on the other day, but I want to read a couple more parts of this. It says, as recent acts of violence in communities across the country have so tragically demonstrated. Now, this is, of course, ignoring for the minute any obvious questions that should be asked around these things. And those are fair questions to ask. I'm not saying I know for sure one way or the other about any of these things in regard to, you know, foreknowledge or whatever else. But there is obvious questions to ask, as we all saw. Or how about just taking the main one they focus on and realize that it ties directly back to the Azov Battalion in Ukraine, like a lot of these things do. But, you know, and that's, that's meanwhile, in this actual document, they make the argument that Ukraine is radicalizing people. Think about how ridiculous that is. That's what I'm saying. But they're still using that argument to make the argument that that's why we need to do what we're doing, even though we can prove the CIA is what has been growing that threat. And they're all before February 25th, we're arguing that they were the ones with an international reach and radicalizing people. But that's not really what's happening. It's the CIA through them radicalizing people they want to abuse. And I don't believe I'm not talking that that's like the entire that's a fringe idea. Most people aren't buying the BS like we saw with January 6th. They didn't buy it. They showed up unarmed. They didn't but take the bait. Even though they still pretend that was an insurrection. It's just, it's embarrassing. But you'll see when I read through this, it says, as recent acts of violence in, you know, across the communities have demonstrated, the nation remains in a heightened threat environment. As we expect that environment will become more dynamic in the coming months. It's like, you know, they're psychic, apparently. The Department of Homeland Security remains steadfast in our commitment to provide timely information and resources to the American people. Highly doubt that. Steadfast, meaning as if you've done that before, the DHS actively keeps information from you on a regular basis. They just go national security. But we're steadfast in our commitment to provide what we haven't ever done to people we never have. It's it's ridiculous. But they, that's like saying, we, we're going to remove your rights, but we care about your freedom. It's just they always finish by saying, we're going to do the thing we just said we're not going to do. But it says in the coming months, DHS expects the threat environment to become more dynamic as several high-profile events could be exploited to justify acts of violence against a range of possible targets. It's ridiculous how broad this is. Threat actors have recently mobilized to violence due to factors such as personal grievances, whatever that ultimately means, reactions to current events, and adherence to violent extremist ideologies. So it's, it's whatever they, personal grievances, how about literally everyone on the planet has a reason to have a grievance with the U.S. government? The current, current events? Like reaction to what exactly? It just it, It's meant to be partisan, first of all, but adherence to violent extremist ideologies. Like what? What do they mean when they say that? You know what's in there. Extremist ideology. They're not talking about ISIS. They're not talking about people overseas. They're talking about this country. Well, we're very clear on the only thing they're framing as a violent extremist ideology, and I guess that's just broadly MAGA, Republicans, whatever they're stupidly trying to frame it as, which isn't true. But that's the point. Going forward to the, to the more in-depth, the United States remains in a heightened threat environment 
And it goes on to say that in coming months, we expect that the threat will become increased. There's kind of redundancies here. These targets could include public gatherings, faith-based institutions, schools, racial and religious minorities, government facilities, personnel, and U.S. infrastructure, media, perceived reality, everything. See, this is my point, guys. They're not saying we're in anything different. We're in the situation we've always been. They're just saying that we're more, they're more concerned than ever that you can see what they are. So they're just worried about, they're just going, we have a threat everywhere, all the time, because of you. Threat actors have recently mobilized to violence due to factors like personal grievances, reaction to current events, same things, including racially or ethnically motivated or anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremism. My God. Foreign advisories, advisories, including terrorist organizations and nation-state adversaries, excuse me, also remain intent on exploiting the threat environment to promote or inspire violence. Like, is any of this even, is there evidence for any of this? Do they even have to give evidence anymore? Or undermine U.S. democratic institutions, which don't exist. We continue to assess that the primary threat of mass casualty violence in the United States stems from lone offenders and small groups motivated by a range of ideological beliefs and personal grievances. So wait a minute, you just went off an entire sentence about foreign adversaries, but then go completely against that and say, but it's only lone people doing their own thing. Individuals in the online forums that routinely promulgate domestic violent extremist and conspiracy theory related content have praised the May 2022 mass shooting at an elementary school and encourage copycat attacks. Where is that? Who exactly are we talking about when you say individuals? Okay, so we're not even talking about groups here. They're talking about like one person they saw on an online forum routinely. Like, oh, this is so subjective. And I even wonder if it's even happening at all. Like, don't they have to prove any of this? Who are these people that are out there spreading violent extremism and conspiracy theory content, praising the shooting? Going, yay, they killed all these kids. Who's doing that? I personally have not seen a single example anywhere of people saying, yes, that was good. What they're saying is it's not real, which I don't agree with. I definitely think there's more going on with this, as I've made clear in this coverage I did on it. But the point is, it's, it's, don't, I don't see, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm missing it. But the idea that people are out there praising the fact that this happened and they got killed is blatant misrepresentation. I'm sure somebody out there exists like that. But to pretend this is some massive problem to the point that they have to raise the threat security is ridiculous. This is how they abuse these things and abuse the memory of these children. They use them politically, and it's disgusting. Others have seized on the event to attempt to spread disinformation and incite grievances. What does it mean, incite grievances? What does that mean? Incite the fact that you are unhappy with them, like most people are? They're just trying to turn the idea that you, dis that you dislike anything about what they're doing as you're now a threat, because that's how they see it. You're not allowed to criticize the government? You're not. No, you're not. That makes you anti-government. You see where we are? We're a long way from where we pretended we were moments ago. But it says, including claims that it was a government-staged event meant to advance gun control measures. Just blatantly said, like, look, I don't think it's as clumsy as that anymore, to be quite honest. Have they done that? I'm 100% certain of that. The FBI has literally been caught faking events like this. Like, how many times do you have to say that? There's been entire articles. The New York Times wrote an article about this. They would create the events to stop them. That's the same thing we're talking about. Just because you want to say stage doesn't have to mean all the way, like, wag the dog manufactured. It could. And we know they've done that. Just look at Ukraine. They're literally faking stuff every day. But my point is to say that that is anybody that even claims that. Again, goes back to my point. Don't you have a right to question? Don't you have a right to simply argue or discuss or even be wrong? Of course you do, but being wrong or discussing these things in a way they don't like 
that paints them in a bad picture, well, that that's terrorism now. You're a terrorist. You know, sort of like people that believe too much in the Constitution. You're you're a threat. That's what their own documentation says. The founding document of this country said they say if you believe too deeply in that, you're you're problematic. How much we we all see this is going in this direction. People just want to believe that that's the right direction. God knows why. But it goes on to say, the suspect in the grocery store attack in Buffalo, the one that was directly tied back to the Azov Battalion, in May 2022 claimed he was motivated by racist, anti-Black, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. That's not actually what he's claimed. In fact, when you dive into it, it's quite the opposite about what ultimately went down. But they just, you know, they're just blunt with it. They just want to say what they, they, the talking points they gleaned from what someone said was in there, probably. Often referred to as the Great Replacement or White Genocide. These theories claim that minorities, multiculturalists, and a ruling elite are deliberately threatening the existence of the white race. The alleged 2019 attacker at the Walmart in El Paso, Texas, cited similar grievances and inspiration for the attack, and both the Buffalo and El Paso attackers indicated they were inspired by 2019 attackers of the two mosques in, guess where, Christchurch, New Zealand, which was openly and ridiculously connected directly back to the Azov movement. Remember the whole point about that shooting and the Rise Above movement and Charlottesville and the whole thing was that they were directly in communication with and working with the Azov movement. That's what plenty of corporate media was actually saying at the time until they now pretend like it's all fake news. I've gone over this extensively. Oh, what was that tweet I was doing for a minute? Uh, Shoot. Maybe it's in here. I'll just get this one anyway. I have a tweet that I continue to share with like kind of like a one-stop shop of the dot of the let's see. Hoping it's in here somewhere. But in any case, this art this this uh show itself. Yep, perfect. There it is. I'll include both. This show in general called Not Just Azov documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. The Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists and Mykola Lebed and the whole open Nazi association that they don't care to tell you about. But as I said here, verifiable facts, U.S. Congress made sure Azov Battalion would get U.S. arms in 2016. And again, past that, by the way. By the way, you realize right now the $40 billion in arms that we're sending over there directly challenge. I mean, it's against law. It is quite literally against U.S. law. It says right in their own documentation they're not allowed to send it if it ends up even potentially in the hands of the Azov movement. Imagine that. In their own legal documentation, it says that they're not allowed to be armed, yet simultaneously they're talking about them like they're freedom fighters fighting for you. How does that make sense? God, these guys are ridiculous. Like they're it's so clearly clear how desperate they are to they're losing control. They've lost control of this. The CIA has trained them since 2015. The FBI verified the Azov Battalion, now the movement, is neo-Nazi and right is immersed with the Ukraine's government. And that those in Charlottesville were their US faction. The same group, guys. All these documents are here. All the links are all right here for you to check out. All of it. Facts. Easy to prove. And they're pointing at that as the reason you're a threat. Gee, it's not like the CIA had anything to do with that, huh? Now, proliferation of false or misleading narratives regarding current events and reinforcing existing personal grievances or ideologies, it says some domestic violent extremists have expressed grievances. Related to their perce- their perception that the U.S. government is unwilling or unable to secure the U.S.-Mexico border and have called for violence to stem the flow of undocumented migrants to the United States. So this is my, they're, they're literally pointing out political talking, like the idea about the U.S.-Mexico border is a huge wedge issue. So now you're framing an entire side of the conversation as a potential literal terrorist threat? 
yes, this is what is happening. Just like the vanilla ISIS talk discussion and how they're literally building the idea that the entire side of the Republican Party is a potential terrorist threat. That was what January 6th was. That's what vanilla ISIS is. That's the tie back to the entire thing. This is an agenda. Whether they are too clumsy to actually play it out or not, because I think we exposed the CIA connection to the very group they were going to use. Whether they play it out or not is up to, is up in the air, but it's very obvious how this is. They're still trying to frame to frame it that way. Don't forget that on January sixth, there's easy open documentation that a Ukrainian was on the ground screaming things in Russian. Should I should have grabbed that one actually? I, that's probably not going to come up. I forget what that tweet is. We covered it plenty of times. The idea that this is an oh, he's a Ukrainian blogger who was there and yelling things in Russian, and he also has pictures of him with. Azov battalion uniforms and flags. Like, it's just so obvious what's going on. Given a high-profile U.S. Supreme Court case about abortion rights, individuals who advocate both for and against abortion have, on public forums, encouraged violence, including against government, religious, and reproductive health care, personnel and facilities, as well as those with opposing ideologies. So just hear this, guys. It doesn't matter what side you think you're on. You're all on this list. Whatever side you're on, the Roe versus Wade debate, they're going either, either whichever side you're on, we think you're a threat. How, how do you miss that? It doesn't matter whether the rest do that. That one point right there pretty much says everybody that's in the two-party illusion right now is a threat to us. Everybody. Whether you're for or against abortion. As the, and this is just simply by, they're, they're highlighting the, di- the divide they're creating and saying that makes you all a threat. As the United States enters midterm elections season this year, we assess that calls for violence by domestic violent extremists. And again, what does that even mean? That's, that's just becoming a catch-all term for anybody that doesn't agree with, their, with what they're doing. They're saying that calls for violence by those people directed at democratic institutions, political candidates, party offices, event, election events, and election workers will likely increase. What does that mean? Well, we have elections, so we raise the threat. Does that make sense? Elections are commonplace. So now every time there's an election, you get fences that go up. You've got all kinds of military personnel. Yes, that's our future. We live in a militarized future or current reality. They're just hiding it behind certain things. The, the point is we have elections. Therefore, we're all in danger. Foreign advers- adversaries remain intent on exploiting that threat to sow discord. In early 2022, they get into ISIS here, released an audio message announcing new global campaign of attacks to avenge the deaths of groups, deceased leaders, and spokesmen. It's weird how they just suddenly spoke up again. So kind of them to be quiet for two years while they were dealing with COVID. Very kind of them. But it goes on to say the message called on ISIS supporters to do what? Carry out knife and vehicle attacks in the United States. Isn't that interesting? So the big bad terrorist group in the world is going to carry out knife attacks. Doesn't that show you two things? That one, the idea that gun control is even the focal point is ridiculous because one, criminals don't care about the law. And two, (laughs) ISIS is literally going to carry out knife attacks as their focal point. The idea is that people, it's just ridiculous and we can all see that, guys. But the idea is that ISIS is doing that and ramming car attacks, both of which seem to help their agendas. Let's not miss the obvious connection to what ISIS really is and the tie back to the building of it to from, rather, the U.S. government. As Ben Swan's documentary makes very clear, from the Mujahideen to Al-Qaeda to ISIS, the U.S. government has funded and armed and supported and transported ISIS many, many times. It's been proven and shown in documentation, but, you know, fake news, though, like everything else. The pro-Al-Qaeda Mahin Cyber Army released the third issue of its Wolves of Manhattan magazine, 
which apparently they let them do and distribute. That's, that's my, you know, oh, we'll, we'll stop these over here, but we'll let ISIS and Al-Qaeda can distribute the magazine in the United States, because that makes sense, which focused on the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Right? Just so they're bad. I don't know whether they're, are they hiring new people or what? Do they just, have they just checked out? Like their narratives are becoming clumsy and lazy as always, but the magazine encouraged supporters to travel to Ukraine to acquire training and weapons to use in the attacks against the West. <laughs> really? They're, but, so in their effort to point out that Al-Qaeda is a threat, so we have to be a raised threat, they're somehow arguing that they go go to Ukraine to train, to be an extremist, to come back to hurt the West. But wait a minute, I thought Ukraine was on your side. I thought Ukraine and all the freedom fighters were doing good things and fighting for freedom, and it was only those old people back in 2016 that were dangerous. This, I guess Al-Qaeda forgot that. I guess they didn't realize that you were no longer... I mean, it's just so stupid. The point is, they're still extremists, and that's why they're doing that. Right before February 25th, that's what they were all saying, that they have this international reach, and there's training white supremacy all around the world, but somehow Al-Qaeda wants to work with them because they're vanilla villain, villain ISIS and blah, blah, blah. It's ridiculous. Why would Al-Qaeda want people to go train with white supremacists? Oh, but forget they're not white supremacists when you talk about them in, fight, in the fight against Russia. But how can they be extremists they want to work with if they're not fighting? You know, it, it, it's round and round and round. They step on their old lies to sell the new one that goes right back around. Pretty stupid. Chinese, Iranian, Russian, and foreign malign influence actors have sought to contribute to U.S. internal discord and weaken their position, basically weaken the United States. Well, yeah, they're all doing that all the time. So are you, more aggressively than anybody, but, you know, let's point everywhere else. These actors have amplified narratives and radicalized individuals and have cited to justify violence including conspiracy theories or false misleading narratives promoting U.S. societal division. Trust me, guys, you don't need conspiracy theory to point out U.S. division. That's what they're creating, but then they're blaming it on somebody else. Pretty interesting. Just like everything else, conspiracy theories alleging, guess what, U.S. responsibility for the Russian-Ukraine crisis, because that's total fake news, right? And claiming U.S. support for bioweapon labs abroad. I can't believe they have the nerve to even write that. This is from the DHS. You mean the biolabs that Newland admitted to? The biolabs that you can provably show on their own documentation the U.S. is obviously involved in? That, but we're talking about, okay, here, here's, here's the point. Bioweapons labs. That's how they can get away. They pretend they can get away with that. Well, they're not weapons. They're just labs for biosecurity. Well, then how are they a threat when Russia takes control of them? Oh, because could, the idea is it's obvious. They're biolabs. They're all biolabs. Weapon, defense, whatever you want to call it, same thing. Some of these actors have used the conspiracy theories to justify calls for violence against U.S. officials and institutions. Foreign actors could bolster their message to sow discord with U.S. audiences in keeping with practices during previous election cycles. Right. Everything everywhere. You're all a threat. America, you're a threat to the government. DHS works with partners across every level of government. Private sector, local communities. And of course, they're talking about behavioral indicators of U.S. extremist, extremist mobilization to violence. So they are tracking your behavioral indicators. How much you want to bet what we're doing right now is one of those. DHS remains focused on disinformation from that threatens the security of the American people, including disinformation from spread by foreign states like Russia, China, Iran, or other adversaries such as transnational criminal organizations and human smuggling operations. If you see something, say something. God. Now, broad and opaque, and never-ending. Sort of like the rest of them, they're going to keep kicking this down. How much you want to bet November 30th? It goes for another month, so many months. Here is, by the way, Ukraine, the new Al-Qaeda, 
Whitney's great article, which gets into, which by the way, I just talked to her. She's going to be doing some more work coming up soon. We're still working on her book, her Epstein book, which is taken, which is important by the way. But this is a discussing the rise of this and how they built this threat. This is the new, this is the new Syria version in, in Ukraine. But here is the mobilization indicators. Now you can read in this to yourself, but the point is it says that the 2021 U.S. Violent Extremist Mobilization Indicators booklet provides a catalog of observable behaviors that could signal whether individuals or groups are pursuing ideologically motivated violent extremist activities. Now, when you read into this, it's not as, as blunt as you might have expected, but how much you want to bet the 2022 version or as it goes forward will be altered to add to things like speaking out against things that the government did wrong, you know, whatever broad things they can apply to anybody they want, which by the way, brings us to the point of exactly what they're already trying to do. That. They're already trying to create a situation where just simply by point this, by the, they're creating an, they, they tried to create and are still have, by the way, an entirely new entity, the disinformation governance board and using that board to just hand down dictates about what is and isn't in disinformation in any given moment. And that's what that, that's what they were trying to build. And don't, don't miss that. They didn't stop it. They just paused it. And in the process of that pausing, it's come out that they were lying to you. Oh my God, who could have guessed? Whistleblower says Biden disinformation board would have acted on what the government determined to be factual, would work with social media companies to take down content and pick its Mary Poppins for her ties to Twitter. Now it says senior Republicans are keeping up their attacks on the Biden administration's attempts to tackle misinformation, claiming internal documents show the Department of Homeland Security's disinformation board would have ruled on what was true and what wasn't across a broad range of issues. Republican Senator Jack Grassley, Ch excuse me, Chuck Grassley and Josh Hawley on Wednesday wrote to the department demanding more information about how it would have worked. They released a string of internal documents provided by a whistleblower, which I'll show you in a minute. They said showed the disinformation governance board, DGB, would have worked with social media platforms to enable the removal of user content right there. That's a that's a huge overstep. And by the way, a violation of your rights in a million, million other ways. And by the way, it also shows you just like Caitlin Johnstone's been pointing out for a long time that the moment these companies have worked with the government to censor, which they're still doing right now, it was no longer, it became state censorship, period. It is still right now. Twitter, Facebook, it's the same way. It is state censorship. It's important. Now it goes on to say, they said the details showed the board would not just have focused on foreign threats like they claimed, but areas of legitimate political disagreement, such as the validity of elections and the efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines. Exactly what we would have expected. That's why they tried to hide it. The First Amendment to the Constitution was designed precisely, by the way, hold on, I'm going to correct that, so that the government could not censor opposing viewpoints, even if those viewpoints were false. I mean, I, I shouldn't, I mean, the point is I take issue with the word designed, but I guess it's not entirely out. The point is just understand that yes, they, these were drafted by people in, in the founding document, right? But they made it clear in the actual document itself by the, the verbiage, as well as what they've said about it, that they are inalienable God-given rights. So yes, they designed the verbiage of it, but their point was the first amendment, the idea of your ability to speak freely and, and as well as everything else involved, I mean, every, the entire idea of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the amendments and the whole point is that these things are inalienable. Whether or not they wrote them on that piece of paper, the hemp, hemp paper, as I've already said in the show, that they were, they were there. 
So the government does the, the, the government has manipulated people into thinking they gave you these rights and they can take them away. That's the whole point about the COVID-19 restrictions. They don't have that right. They never did. But they're doing it anyway because they're totalitarian. They're off the rails. But the point is simply, I agree with the general point. The idea is that your government could not censor opposing viewpoints, even if they're wrong. I'll even take it further. Even if you know they're wrong, you have a right to do so. And they know that, and they're desperately afraid of the truth, so they're using this idea to attack that truth. DHS should not in any way seek to enlist the private sector to curb or silence opposing viewpoints. uh, This is, again, speaking from, uh, who was it? Oh, the, the, the letter they wrote in general about this, all the, the, the people, the whistleblower and the different senators. It says, it is therefore imperative for the Department of Homeland Security to provide additional clarity regarding its policies and procedures for identifying and addressing mis, dis, or mal, this information, the MDM, as well as its efforts to operationalize public-private partnerships and the steps it is taking to ensure that it does not infringe on the constitutional rights of American citizens. Now, I'll also be clear on the fact that I, I mean, I, call me a pessimist. You're probably right. I am very jaded in rec- when it comes to the, the political process. And we all have good good, well, good reason to be. But I would just point out that I don't really buy that these political, these, these congressmen truly believe or stand up for your rights. I believe they would challenge, they would attack the same right in another angle from a different standing point when they believed, you know, from a Republican standpoint or whatever. I just I believe this is politically advantageous for them to take this stance. Sort of like an argument I make about, you know, whether it's advantageous for a an Assad or a Putin to play the good guy, even if they don't care about being good guy, you know, doing the right thing, because it's obviously advantageous to play that role in contrast to the clumsy, ham-fisted, horrific actions being cast around the world by the US government. I mean, it's very you step up and you just generally do the right thing, and it it's an obvious contrast even if you don't care about doing right. So just to make that point, I just, I do, I, again, call me jaded, but it goes on to say that this very alarming, <laughs> something about her face just scares me, but it says the, the, the its leader, or um, yeah, and it says right after Nina Jankowitz resigned after it was revealed that she had promoted claims about Trump, his links to Russia, and about Hunter Biden's laptop that turned out to be true. In reverse, the Russia claims obviously turn out to be complete flimsy allegations in, in a general sense. I argue there are there are obvious connections to Russia from his point or anybody's point, but especially, Trump especially, you could make lots of interesting points. But in regard to the claims they were making from the whole Russiagate fiasco, it was garbage. And Hunter's laptop was obviously true, and even they were forced to admit that. The point is that it's all subjective political standing po- talking points, and Nina herself was promoting fake news and, and shouting down things that were true, like they all are. But I, it doesn't matter whether she believed she was right or not. It comes down, I mean, it does matter, but it comes down to the point that a lot of these people just, they genuinely think that following the pack is being right or that trusting what Biden said is doing your research. I can't make that point enough. Now, don't miss how this obviously connects to the other point we'll make next in regard to the misinformation agent from Ukraine doing the same thing but was just called out and removed. But it says the board was put on pause, as you know. But it says, so this begs the question. If the former executive director of the Disinformation Governance Board is incapable of determining what is and is not disinformation, how could the, the board itself ever have expected to function properly under her leadership? 
They say the documents show the department was working on plans to operationalize its relationship with private social media platforms to implement its goals. What it saw it was as disinformation. And we now know that, that is, that's obviously not correct. It says, according to whistleblower allegations, Nina Jankowitz may have been hired because of a relationship to, with executives at Twitter, of course, pointing out that briefing notes suggest that she knew two senior figures, figures at the social media company. Here's an interesting point to throw in there. Maybe with Elon's part of this, it kind of threw things out of whack for them, even though it now seems that he's at least suggesting he might be pulling back on the deal which again shows you the absurdity of the conversation that was had a day after he announced it where people like Wood were saying, oh my God, everything's changed. Clearly that's not happening yet. But the point is that maybe his push into this discussion changed things for them. Suddenly the idea that she had influence over Twitter became uncertain. Just a thought. But it says collectively whistleblower allegations and the documents we've reviewed raise concerns that DHS, Department of Homeland Security, could be seeking an active role in coordinating the censorship of viewpoints that it determines according to an unknown standard, that's the important part, to be mis or dis or malinformation by enlisting the help of social media companies and big tech, because we know how reliable they've been this whole time, right? But the senators say spreading false ideas is not grounds for removal. Now, I'll tell you what, regardless of my pessimist, pessimistic mentality about what they actually care about, I'm, I'm actually surprised they took that stance. I believe in that Whole, just wholeheartedly, and I'm glad they're saying it. You are allowed to spread false ideas. Let me say that again. You are allowed to spread false ideas. That is your right. But of course, we all have the right to call you a moron and to make it clear that you're wrong because that's the answer to misinformation. More information, more speech is the answer to bad speech. But it goes on to say, DHS should not in any way seek to enlist the private sector to curb or silence opposing viewpoints. It's what they're doing though. Now, here's an interesting part to finish this tweet, this uh, article off. Here's a quick timeline of claims that were pushed by Joe Biden's disinformation governance board head, Nina Jankowitz. Now, I don't want to go through one, but you can read through these. And it just reads like a list of every dumb claim that was made in regard to pro, you know, Russia or anti-Trump or whatever you want to call it. The idea of the, the pictures of Trump kissing Putin or the, the idea of the Putin's puppet and all this garbage things they keep spreading or Manafort and the Russian, uh, uh, Russian, Russiagate coal conversation. Trump's Kremlin ties don't end at Manafort. Husband's text, it's ridiculous. All of these things are utter garbage. I mean, every, I mean, you can go through these for yourself. Where's the last one right here? Jankowitz told the Associated Press that there were questions about whether the infamous laptop belonged under Hunter Biden. We should view it as Trump campaign products, she said. Right, so that means, guess what? Had she been in charge then, they would have censored it like they did anyway. That's the point, isn't it? Directly cited the Steele dossier claims in her book. Yeah, that aged well, didn't it? <laughs> it's incredible, guys. This is so transparent. But guess what? The board isn't going to go away. How much you want to bet they just have some more Republican people on there, and then the Republicans will suddenly be okay with it. The point is, that this is not going away. They paused it in hopes that you forget about it, and they're going to come back with it in some other angle very soon. Because it's not about left or right. It's about controlling what you're allowed to say, what you're allowed to think, and what you're allowed to do. Oh, by the way, here's the documentation if you want to read through this in regard to the uh, the discussion we just had in regard to the Disinformation Governance Board. And I believe it gets into some other, uh, yeah, the documents down here and the whistleblower stuff. You can read it for yourself. As always, we give you the ability to dive into it for yourself. It's the opposite of what a lot of other people do, including corporate media. But I'm going to play a clip really quick from Jordan Peterson that my brother shared with me that really adds the the idea of where this is going right? Why it's the wrong thing ever 
to allow people to control speech. So the idea that there's hateful speech, it's like, yeah, okay, that's self-evident, no problem. Well, let's regulate it. Okay, fair enough, because it's hateful. You know, maybe we'd rather that there wasn't any of it. Okay, no problem. Who defines hate? Well, we'll worry about that later. It's like, no, you won't. That's actually the problem. Here's the answer to who defines hate. Those people that you would least want to have define it. That will be the inevitable consequence of the legislation. Because sensible people won't have anything to do with that. Like people who are power mad will gravitate to that domain to make an ethical case to exercise their controlling power over the language of other people. No, and I've had journalists say, well, what makes you think that your right to free speech trumps the right of someone to not be offended? And I think that's really the level of our political discourse. Okay. That's the, that last part of it's really the craziest part of it, right? I mean, the idea that you're you are genuinely taking a stance as a political whatever, as a, as a congressman, as a as a media pundit, you're standing there saying, and this is what he—I forget the person he's referencing or the conversation—but the point is that saying, "What makes you think that you're inalienable, shall not be infringed, God-given constitutional right to to free speech trumps my personal subjective feelings." That's what they're saying. My right to not be offended, which is completely up in the air. You could be offended by the fact that I wore a certain color of shoes. I mean, it doesn't, it's, or just said the word hello. Oh, how offensive. Like, it, it's, it's subjective. It's whatever you decide you're offended by. How about if I just say hello in a really weird way when I look at you and make you feel uncomfortable? Oh, now, how I'm offended. You made me feel sexually uncomfortable. You were looking at me a certain way. We've even seen staring too long called that. Guys, this is, which, which you could argue, someone's creepily staring. Well, yeah, my point is it's subjective. And his point is that you have people in power that are going to gravitate towards anything that gives them the opportunity to take more control over your rights, even if it's something that you believe in that is correct. Think about that. I'm not saying that's this, but let's just take something that you may actually think is right. Still, giving them the power over that is never going to end up in your benefit because they're going to abuse it like they have everything else in your entire lifetime. It's time that we're honest about this, guys. We shouldn't be afraid of being called whatever they're trying to call you today. Now is the time to be strong enough to stand up and take that stance because the world is behind you whether they show it to you or not. Now here is the Ukrainian misinformation, whatever, you know, whatever her name or I forget what her actual title was. The Parliamentary Commissioner for Human Rights. Right? The, world, the one that was standing up and basically dictating what is and wasn't information. And guess what? As you already saw, because we covered it and plenty of others did that were being honest, she was let go from that position, removed from her position. And Ukraine's government themselves, whether that means that they were like, I think, I forget what show I saw this on, but they were saying one way you could look at it was that they were just like, geez, get out of the way. You can't be that obvious with misinformation. We want misinformation, but you can't be that clumsy with it. So we're going to take this advantage, this situation and take advantage of it, get rid of you and pretend like, you're the only problem, which is what they love to do. Get rid of the, you know, get that, the, release some steam, throw her under the bus, pretend like it's over, and go right back to misinformation. Certainly possible, which I think that's probably what happened. But, or it could be that there are still some factions of the government that don't want to be seen this way. They don't believe in the neo-Nazi element. You come to the, decide for yourself. My point is that she did lie, got caught for it. And the point was that literally every outlet in the corporate media, 
parroted what she said as absolute fact. And even to this point right now, there are still some outlets that will reference the mass rape by Russians and Ukraine soldiers. Now, is that to say that it didn't happen? No, certainly possible. See, even in this, we're able to be objective because we're honest with you. It could, I would argue, probably, there's probably a lot of really disgusting things that happen on both sides. That's war for you. But the point is that she did lie about this. Now, you shouldn't have to lie about it if everything they're saying is everywhere and the Russians are so terrible and blah, blah, blah. Ousted Ukrainian official breaks silence and now has admitted on top of the government telling her she did, has admitted herself that she lied about the mass rape to Russians to garner more arm and aid, arms and aid. Think about that. Now all those Twitter people that were screaming you were fake news are still going to, they're going to still call you fake news despite the fact that they just blatantly got caught lying. Sort of like with Ghost of Kiev. Remember all that? When they say, you're so stupid, you have no idea what you're talking about. And then the very next day when they go, yeah, it's all fake, they were dead silent. And those same people jumped to the next lie and shouted you down. I stand with Ukraine because it's not about the facts. A top Ukraine official who was fired for spreading misinformation has admitted that she lied about Russians committing mass rape in order to convince Western countries to send more weapons to Ukraine. Accused, uh, she, she specifically accused Denisova of pushing misinformation, or the parliament did, pushing misinformation that, quote, only harmed Ukraine in relation to, quote, the number of details of unnatural sexual offenses and child sexual abuses in the occupied territories, which were unsupported by evidence. In an interview published by a Ukrainian news outlet, she then admitted her falsehoods had achieved their intended goal. Quote, when, for example, I spoke in the Italian parliament at the Committee on Internal Affairs, I heard and saw such fatigue from Ukraine. I talked about the terrible things in order to somehow push them to make the decisions that Ukraine and Ukrainian people need. She noted that Italy's five-star movement was originally against the provision of weapons, but after her speech, which was lies, she admitted, one of the party leaders said that they would support us, including the provision of weapons. It's like she's unabashedly saying this. You know why? Because they were, she was probably told to do this. She knows she's got support, at least you know, ostensibly from the U.S. government and the, the powers out there. Despite the fact that her claims about mass rape were false, and they were false, they were repeatedly amplified by legacy media outlets like CNN and the Washington Post and pretty much everybody else. Everywhere. The media was quick to put this woman's BS claims out there without any due diligence, blindly reporting it, as I've showed you the entire time, but couldn't care less now about correcting the record. Again, one of the many things of the gigantic pile of examples throughout this whole process that utterly expose who they are from top to bottom. Indeed, I mean, anybody even remotely honest would at the very least try to correct that record. That's a big, big mistake. Or rather, it's not a mistake is the point, but even if it was an honest per- if it was an honest person would try to correct it. Indeed, there have been innumerable outright hoaxes and falsehoods throughout the war. Their so-called fact checkers have been noticeably by, uh, no- noticeably by their absence. So-called fact checkers have been noticeable by their absence. J- all the things we've discussed. Where are the fact checkers and all that? Ghost of Kiev, anything else? No, they're only fact-checking very obvious truths. These include radiation leaks that besiege nuclear plants, right? We talked about that, which turned out not to have happened. The media's complete misinformation about what happened at Snake Island. The Ghost of Kiev hoax, as well as the attack on a Holocaust memorial that never happened. I mean, you could go on forever. These have been verified. They just jumped to the next lie. Now, here's our coverage when she first uh, happened, this discussion actually first happened. Fake news exposed in another example, so you can read that if you want. But here's the interesting part about it. So they're lying to you and got caught for lying to you about what they're doing to people. 
about claiming Russia's doing these bad things. So you can also ask, pretty clearly point out that if they have to lie about it, it's very clearly not as bad as they say it is, if at all happening. But now we've got this report. Captured men are protected under law, says Ukraine's foreign ministry. Well, they're right. But the point is not that they're right. The point is, one, that they're claiming something here is happening that has anything to do with Russia. It doesn't seem like it does. Two, that what they've done, provably, to Russian POWs is everywhere. But they have the right to stand up and go, they're protected. How dare you charge them with the crimes they committed? Here's what's happening. It says, we've been bringing you the news this afternoon, this is BBC, that three men who had been fighting in Ukraine's military, two Britons and two and one Moroccan, have been sentenced to death by what they stupidly call, or rather unverifiably call, a Russian proxy court in eastern Ukraine. It's the same way, and this is how this starts, by the way. I'm under no illusion that the Donbass region is probably eventually going to choose to decide to become part part of Russia like Crimea did, to choose of their own accord like Crimea did with an overwhelming referendum voted to do so. But just like you hear the, the, you know, the the PMU Iranian proxies in in Iraq or the Syrian proxies of Iran or the private or the I mean, I guess all pretty much Iran proxies they try to claim, which none of them are. They're they're allied with them for sure. What they're trying to pretend here is that Donbass right now is just Russian controlled. That's simply not true. It's it's simply not true. Now, Russia has influence there 100 percent, but they've declared their independence and Russia has simply acknowledged that independence and they're fighting alongside them. Now, am I going to pretend that Russia doesn't have a say in what's happening? I'm sure they do. But to simply call it Russia proxy court and pretend that you know for sure it's Russia's making this happen or that they have a say in it, because none of that's for sure, it makes you a bad journalist. In fact, it exposes the BBC has never been journalism, and it's just simply blatant propaganda that toes a line that they choose. But yeah, Russian proxy court. So now it's all Russia because these people are going to be put to death. How about the fact, as you'll see, that what they're also reporting is that these people committed crimes? In Donbass, in fact, tried to do pretty terrible things to the Donbass government. And then guess what? The part that they don't report to you at the BBC, because they're great journalists, is that they all, I mean, two of them pled guilty. Okay, so now the Donbass court, after they pled guilty, charges them with death. Rules to, to kill them, which you could debate, you could argue the terribleness of that. But none of that seems to relate to Russia at all, or rather you can't prove they're involved. Now, for those out there saying, well, we know, we know. Doesn't it matter to you that evidence should be there? At what point did we stop caring that these journalists had to prove that these things are happening, even if it seems likely? Well, that's the two-party paradigm. That's the 2016 post-manipulation. We're in the post-truth world as they planned. Ukraine's foreign ministry has said all the men were servicemen of the armed forces of Ukraine and should have the rights of prisoners of war. You know, unlike the Russian ones they killed, as we'll show you in a second. Under international humanitarian law, They are subject to the legal status of combatants, says the foreign ministry spokesperson. You know, the neo-Nazi entity, which is what this person is, I've shown you in the past. So just like with the U.S. government, they're all, they will never stop pointing out the virtues of the U.N. Charter and and the Geneva Conventions and the the law, the, the international law, and then violate every single one of them the moment they don't care about it. The moment that it is in even the smallest benefit to them. Right this moment, they're violating UN's, UN mandates and charters and, and, and mandates all over the place. Everywhere. Israel occupying the Golan Heights, occupying Palestine, the ever constant things they do, the, bomb, the blockade of Yemen, the invasion of these countries. Every one of those things are challenged right now by the UN, but they don't care. But they were happy to point these things out. 
It says the enemy is forbidden to abuse, intimidate them, or behave inhumanely. Well, just so we're clear, as again, BBC stupidly doesn't even get into, they went through a legal process. Now, you could argue that it's a broken process and they're lying and they're bastardizing it. But to pretend this is just like a blunt, I mean, if it was Ukraine, as we've already seen, I'll show you next, they would just shoot them in the head. But here we have going through a process, a legal process. But they're going, don't abuse, intimidate, or behave inhumanely. They don't look like they're abused. They don't say they're abused. Now, they could be, sure. But evidence matters. This so-called trial of Ukrainian servicemen is worthless, they say. That's it. The Ukraine government will continue to make its efforts, blah, blah, blah. That's it. That's, that's where they, their coverage of this ends. And up here, it goes into something else. Okay, well, let's see what Australia has to say. It's quite a bit different. Two Britons and a Moroccan sentenced to death by Russian proxy, of course, same point there, in Ukraine, which they don't prove. That's just the, their assumption, because that's what good journalists do, is assume in the direction of what they want. It says two Britons and Moroccan and a Moroccan who were captured while fighting in Ukraine have been sentenced to death by a court in the self-proclaimed Donetsk People's Republic. Again, one of Russia's proxies that they claim that's not true. At the very least, there's no evidence to make sure and prove that that's now a proxy. Everything we can see shows that they're just of their own entity and that they're working alongside the Russians. And at the very least, they have control over their own processes. With Russian involvement, I'm sure. Facts matter. But what we can prove matters. But on top of everything, I mean, they're in a war situation, right? So when you're in a war and you get captured, the idea of the POW process, the Geneva Conventions, I mean, I don't understand. I think the only issue they're trying to take here is that they just don't believe the court process is legitimate. I'm pretty sure a court process is an allowable thing to happen. In any case, it goes on to say the court found the three men, Britons, Aiden, Aislin, and Sean Pinner, and in the Moroccan, Braham Sadon, guilty of mercenary activities and committing actions aimed at seizing power and overthrowing the constitutional government of the DPR. The Interfax News Agency quoted the official court saying. So what sounds like, at least what they're alleging, is that these three people were in a secret, a secret uh, uh, mission to basically overthrow the government of the DPR and get people in place that would be on their side, which is completely in line with what we're seeing everywhere else in the world, so just considering that. Now, it says the three men were captured while fighting for Ukraine against Russia and Russian-backed forces. Everybody agrees with that. So these are definitely Ukrainian soldiers. Now, it says their lawyer <laughs> said they would appeal the decision. <laughs> right, because when you're in a, a kangaroo court, well, I mean, I shouldn't say it, of course, in the U.S. justice system, which is broken, you get lawyers too. But the point is that they're trying to make this out to be some kind of a, a tyrannical situation. The Russians are going to kill them for being a part of the war. They had a, pro a legal process. They had lawyers. And then guess what? Less than 24 hours after the verdict was handed down, Mr. Pinner and Sudan had pled guilty to actions aimed at violent seizure of power. A video shared from the court showed that. Now, of course, I'm not saying they could have been manipulated. They could have been coerced. Those are always possible. But until you can prove that, you can't just float it and say it. As Mr. Aslan appeared to have pled guilty to a lesser charge and we oh, of weapons and explosives. So I take it back. All three of them pled guilty. One of them to a lesser charge. So they had a lawyer. They went through a, p a process. And then they pled guilty to the crimes. Weird how the BBC leaves all of that out. God, they're pathetic. It's utterly nonsense. Finally, it says the evidence presented by the prosecution in this case allowed the court to pass a guilty verdict, not to mention the fact that all the defendants, without exception, pled guilty to all charges. I utterly condemn the sentencing of Aiden Aslan and Pinner, held by Russian proxies, says the uh, Liz Truss, the British foreign secretary. 
these are prisoners of war. This is a sham judgment with absolutely no legitimacy. Now, you could even make that argument, right? You should prove it. They don't care about proof anymore. But the idea is that this is nothing even remotely compared to what we can see on the other side. So you feel free to make these arguments. I, 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 would, I would actually make the argument from an objective standpoint that I don't think it makes sense to allow one of the, one of the uh, pro- court process, one of the legal process, uh, geez, judicial processes on one side or the other of a war to be able to rule on the other side. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Like, that's an obvious statement. Because, of course, it's going to be influenced by their politics. So, yes, I do agree that allowing that process to take place in the DPR doesn't seem fair. Right? Just that's clear. And I would say the same in reverse. But, of course, they wouldn't, right? You know as well as I that if Ukraine, which, by the way, they're doing, holding their own tribunals, which I, I thought, I actually, I thought I had that. Hold on. Maybe I do, and I'm doubling up on it. Uh See what comes up. Ukraine war crimes trial. Yeah, see right here. Seriously? Like, I, I can't even believe this is two weeks ago. I didn't even see this one. What a perfect point to make. God, this is so stupid. I just can't, I mean, I don't even have to try. I'm trying very hard. I just, my God. Okay, so a Russian soldier is sentenced to life in prison <laughs> for a first war crimes trial. That's okay, though, right? I guess the big difference is sentenced to death. Is if you have if you take issue with the fact that it's happening in this way, did this guy get all the all, everything he was supposed to? Like it, they're not nobody's even calling issue on this. But of course, on the other side of it, it's completely illegitimate because we think Russia bad guy. And in fact, we're not even talking about Russia; we're talking about DPR. But because we suggest that without evidence that they are Russia, that's how that goes. But how about we take a quick step back into Ukraine land, right? Or rather, Ukraine U.S. proxy land where we know they were put in place in 2014 and have been built up in the fascist side of it before that by the CIA and since afterward. Remember this whole thing, though? Ukrainian civilians were stripped, tied up, and beaten by vigilantes in shocking videos. This is from March 23rd. Remember this? And people posted on Twitter, and they were like, oh, fake news. You guys are spreading fake news. Well, you know what these people are, and we now know exactly what you thought they were. These are... Ukrainian civilians who were supporting Russia, who were raped, abused, robbed, beaten by Ukrainian soldiers. Now, I'm going to get to it, but this is my point, is this was the first discussion where they go, oh, we don't know what happened here. And they were shouted down by all the fake news fact checkers. Here's another one. In a Ukrainian street, a corpse with hands bound and a bullet wound to the head. This is before Bucha, I believe. In any case, the point is, oh, he's talking about the tortured people by Russia, bad guys. Don't forget, by the way, that the whole torture, the whole point is they just got caught lying about all of that. At the very least, they can't prove it. So when they know they lied about the ghost of Kiev and everything else, it's a pretty easy thing to see that they've been, li- they've been lying about this. No, okay, so this is the point about Bucha. The idea, though, is that here's what we're going to get to, is that these are the older stories, that they were going, no, no, that's Russia, and Russia did it all. Well, guess what's happening? Well, this is also from May, but the point is, as it goes forward, the UN is receiving credible information about Ukrainian troops torturing Russian prisoners. Like, where was the corporate coverage of this? I'm talking CNN, Fox News, CBS, CNBC, NBC, nothing. Ukraine says something happens and they all parrot it for a week straight. But the UN can get credible information about Ukraine troops hurting and torturing people, nothing. Right. So here they are saying they're, they're, they're protected under law. What about the Russian troops? What about them? Doesn't matter. New York Times verifies 
authenticity of videos of Ukrainian forces executing POWs. Let me say that again. The New York Times is claiming to have verified a video where they can prove Russian forces were executed as POWs. Yeah, you've heard that from us already. Did you hear this in the corporate media? No, because they're broken and they're ridiculous. Even as their own other counterparts are saying the same thing. Videos of Ukrainians executing Russian POWs confirmed by the New York Times. Here's Evan Hill. A video posted online Monday and verified by the Times appeared to show Ukrainian soldiers killing captured Russian troops outside a village of Kiev. I mean, how much more do we need to see? How about the stuff that we showed you from the very beginning that they also said fake news? Vitaly Kim, the governor of an oblast in Ukraine, an area in Ukraine, was openly saying on this news show that civilians cooperating with Russia will face, face extrajudicial execution. Exactly. That's the point. And this is what we now know, that they were taking the white bands that they were using to show their support of Russia and bounding their hands when they killed them. All this has been shown in the, in the, with the reports coming from now the corporate media. Isn't it amazing how we're now, they're now being forced to admit what we were saying the whole time and they were shouting us down for? Just like COVID-19. Look at that. Do you realize how scared they are that they know we're overtaking them? Regardless of whether that actually happens, and I'm going back to the beginning of the show, that we're losing traffic, but they see it. We're making them look stupid. I'm talking about the independent media in general, because they are stupid, and I think they're beginning to realize that. But the point is, here's what he said, that, they, that anybody cooperating with Russia will face extrajudicial execution. Not, PO, not POWs, civilians. But that's okay, though. He admits that the blogger that was assassinated in his car that we were censored for as fake news was a traitor and that more of that will happen. This is the, quote, democracy you're supporting. Yes, it, RT covered it, so therefore you can plug your ears and stomp your feet if you want to be a moron. A regional governor of Ukraine has claimed he's ready to hunt down and execute people who support Russia. The chilling words came in an interview with the Ukrainian news channel. Today, a Russian blogger was shot dead in his car. This means that there are still Russian traitors in Ukraine. You Note how she smiles and nods when he says that, like, oh, I know, what a great thing. And by the way, this is, I confirm this was what they were saying. I found the original clip when I first covered this. All traitors will be executed. I'm not afraid of this word. It will be so. And we will not be able to stop people from shooting traitors either. I want to remind everyone that a service has already begun work that will look for such people. It's already operating. You need to understand that we are far ahead in terms of information technology, hacking. We have very good specialists and there are large databases. Everyone can be tracked. No one can escape justice. And that, that's the obvious, you know, Great Reset overlap, because don't forget the Ukraine is in lockstep with the Great Reset, being one of the first countries to implement all this, you know, during b- being invaded, because that makes sense, right? But think about one thing they're saying here. One of the first arguments was, well, they're traitors. We're not talking about soldiers here, guys. We're talking about average civilians. How are you a traitor in regard to, I mean, the idea of a traitor is like, you know, a, a, in wartime situations, civilians are not supposed to be touched. We, and this is the point that they don't care because these are dangerous, bad extremist people. This is on the record. They say this on Ukraine 24. It's a gigantic channel, but nobody cares. They're over here going, how dare you? They're protected under law. It's just crazy how obvious this is. They are hurting people and nobody cares. Nobody in the corporate media anyway. Here's another smaller point. Whether or not they're killing them, which they are. Here's the Washington Post 
from a while back saying Ukraine puts captured Russian soldiers on a stage. But that may be a violation of the Geneva Convention. You know, it is. These are POWs. Of course it is. But the point is that, of course, they have to equivocate what well, could be. You know damn well that that's a violation. But my point is that it's everywhere that they don't care about this stuff. But they just rationalize it because, well, you know, Ukraine fight for freedom. Sort of like when the neo-Nazis were literally arming children and, and old women to fight for them in the beginning. They said, hey, they're fighting for freedom. How great. Right? It's just like, you're, you mean child soldiers? It's just, it's ridiculous. Now, finally, last couple points here. I'll make sure I didn't miss some things. Hold on. Oh, I did. Whoa, how did I do that? Did I open more stuff? I guess I did. Oh, yeah, that's right. I opened a few pages. All right, so last points here. This is from March 17th. U.S. United States Department of Justice, Russian elites, proxies, and oligarchs, task force, ministerial joint statement. I want to reiterate what they said they're doing here. Now, just so we're clear, they, have, they are not proving that these people are actually connected to the government other than anybody in any country is connected to their government, right? This is the equivalent of them robbing the, the Russian government, robbing yachts and houses and cars from Elon Musk and, you know, other, you know, high level elitists with lots of money in the United States. Now, are they connected to the government? Clearly working with all sorts of government level things and the, you know, brain machine interface, but are they the government? And is it a legally sound thing to just steal things from him because you think U.S. bad guy? That's, that's what's exactly what's happening in reverse. Still just robbing lots of money and arms and cars and arms, these cars and yachts and whatever else from Russian elitists, oligarchs, just because they want to. That's piracy. Russia's latest invasion of Ukraine represents a further assault on the fundamental norms and laws, including UN charter that underpin the international order. Yeah, don't go ahead and laugh out loud that the US government is writing this anywhere. Right, because you care about fundamental norms and laws? Did you think about that when you illegally invaded Iraq or when you illegally invaded Afghanistan or when you illegally invaded Syria or when you illegally invaded everywhere else you talk about or when you illegally blockade Yemen or when you illegally blockade Venezuela or you put illegal sanctions on everybody around the world or when you illegally overthrow Libya or I could keep going. Right. But they totally care about fundamental norms and laws. Right. How about the illegal actions of all of their allies in Saudi Arabia and how they're actively violating UN charters everywhere? But no, no, don't look at those things. Don't man the mind. Don't mind the man behind the curtain. Focus on where we're pointing. Look at bad guy Russia over there who are doing things we can't prove, but we're doing them openly that you can prove. But look at them. Look at that guy. My God. I mean, these is why this is why I'm convinced that people aren't buying this. It says, we are determined to deny them the ability to hide and benefit their, from their assets in all the jurisdictions. So they just don't want them benefiting. How dare those people have a nice life while we have to fight, you know, whatever it is. Don't they have, where's, isn't there a legal process to this? Apparently not. Signed by Australia, Canada, European Commission, Germany, Italy, Japan, United Kingdom, and United States. Just so you see the, the usual suspects. Now, the countersigle points out, kind of an interesting point that ties into this that also ties back to the Great Reset and your ability, your illusion, by the way, and I've been, I've been talking about this a lot with my family, your illusion of actually owning property today, whether or not you buy it. Just, Justice Minister in Canada says you don't have absolute right to private property in Canada. That's, that's what he said. That's June 8th. It says, while responding to questions regarding the seemingly unlawful seizure of property owned by Russians... Liberal Justice Minister David Lametti said that people don't have an absolute right to own private property in Canada. My God. He says, I'd like to ask you about Bill C-19 and any of the seizing and selling of Russian off of Russian assets. 
not government, but just Russian anywhere. There are some who say that's on shaky ground. How do you respond? The reporter asked him. He said, well, look, you'll obviously tailor your, the provisions so that it can withstand a court challenge. Or he said, we'll obviously tailor the provisions so that it can withstand a court challenge. Well, first of all, what did he just say right there? Well, obviously, we're going to alter this so that it kind of looks legal. <laughs> I can't even believe these people. What do you mean tailor the provisions? It's already happening. So you're going to go in there and tweak things so it looks better in front of a court? That's exactly what he just said. These people are rampantly lawless, and they don't even care. I don't even know if they realize that. Maybe they've so gone so far into rationalizing what they believe is what they claim is the right thing that they just they can't see what they're doing anymore. I don't really buy that, but I mean, who knows? It says, you don't have, quote, you don't have an absolute right to own property in Canada, private property. That's its own standalone sentence. Well, look, we'll, uh, we'll obviously uh, tailor uh, the provisions so that, uh, so that um, uh, it could withstand a, a court challenge. You don't have uh, an absolute right to own private property uh, in Canada. Um, it is, uh, there, are, uh, there are steps that are taken when expropriations happen at, at whatever level of government, and we'll be sure to stay within those boundaries. Now, obviously, you could make the argument that they're only talking about people in this position. Right. Like if you were a Russian, I guess, I guess just just Russian in Canada, that then you don't have a right to absolute absolute right to private property. But let's be clear about the fact that that's something that's being floated in a general sense. Just I mean, why does it make sense? Because you're Russian. Therefore, that happens. It's subjective. It's whatever they say it is. Tomorrow, it can be Italians. And well, you're Italian, bad guy, Italians. Well, you're no, you don't have an absolute right because we said so. That's the point. Your rights are not subjective. They're the ones breaking these, these agreements. The bill in question, Bill C-19, if passed, would allow government to seize and, and cause the forfeiture and disposal of assets held by sanctioned people and entities to support Canada's participation in the Russian elites, proxies, and oligarchs task force in light of Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine. Right? How, when's the last time this happened for all the many illegal invasions carried out by the U.S. and Israel and everybody else? Oh, that's right. Never. Got it. So you're hypocrites. The point is that he's letting a lot of stuff slip out there. The idea, though, is that today you don't really have anything that you own in regard to property. If you have to pay taxes, you have to pay anything on it that they could then use to take it away from you, you don't own it. And that's the problem today. If, you own, if, I, if I bought a piece of property and I could literally build a gigantic fence, move to the middle of it, and never, ever let anybody in for the rest of my life, you own that. The fact that the government can do all sorts of things to step through that, you don't own those things. That's the problem. They've created a situation where that's the reality. Now, in regard to the war in Ukraine and the illusion that is the Ukraine just about to win is finally falling apart in the corporate media. You guys have all seen it for the whole time because it's been embarrassingly stupid. They're about to run out of bullets. They're about to do this. And it's just they just one after the other. Fake, 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 fake. And every, every single time it falls flat, they jump to the next fake claim. But we're the ones spreading misinformation, right? Well, now they're finally starting to go, well, it's because Ukraine, they're misinforming us. Oh, no, you mean Ukraine spreading misinformation? Isn't that in and of itself something you're calling misinformation? <laughs> this is becoming literally lost in their own narrative. It's pathetic. Washington starts to blame game over defeat in Ukraine. The New York Times here via Yahoo have, have, uh, has, some rather weird has a rather weird piece over alleged lack of intelligence on Ukraine warplanes. It says President Zelensky of Ukraine, or rather the puppet of Ukraine, has provided near daily updates of Russia's invasion on social media. 
Viral video posts have shown the effectiveness of Western weapons in the hands of Ukrainian forces, and the Pentagon has regularly held briefings on developments in the war. But despite the flow of all the news to the public, remember this is coming from the New York Times, U.S. intelligence agencies have less information than they would like about the Ukraine's operations. Hmm. But they're sure as hell willing to dump billions of dollars over there. That's a little bit disconcerting. But it says, and it possesses a far better picture of Russia's military. So wait, you mean you tell me the intelligence agencies that are telling you these guys aren't neo-Nazis and that they are about to win don't actually know that? No. Tell me it isn't so. It's exactly like everything else we're seeing. It's planned operations and its successes and failures in regard to Russia. They seem to, they claim to know according to the current and former officials. But it says governments often withhold information from the public for operational security. But these information gaps within the U.S. government could make it more difficult for the Biden administration to decide how to target military aid as it sends billions of dollars in weapons to Ukraine. Yeah, go ahead and send it first, and then we'll figure out whether we know what's going on, right? How embarrassing. Like, these people are a joke. Like, if this is even coming out, that means they don't have control over these outlets, which you would argue they do. This is pathetic. Or if they do want you to see this, it means they've so thoroughly lost control that they're putting this to bed to move on to something else. In any case, good job, guys. The truth has won the day. It goes on to say, she added, we have, in fact, more insight, probably, on the Russian side than we do on the Ukrainian side. Right. But you're screaming you know what's going on, and you're shouting down people to counter that, and you're giving them billions and billions and billions of dollars in dangerous weaponry, but we don't even know what's happening. At least we know more about the other side. That's what they're claiming. But then it goes on to say, uh, 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 this Andre Maryanov ranting about this New York uh, Times piece says, well, the New York Times decided to start steering clear of the whole Russia lost in Ukraine BS, acting like, you know, they're lost in a quagmire and that they're they're It's a hollow victory and all. It's just it's so embarrassing how they're desperately trying. And I guess apparently, at least the New York Times is starting to pull away from that. This lost in Ukraine BS that it promoted together with neocon crazy, as they put it, and begins this ever familiar tune of the intelligence failure, right? Exactly what we've heard so many times before. It says, hmm, how about I put it bluntly? The U.S. never had clear pictures on anything, especially on Russia, or as a private case, the special military operation and completely bought into Ukraine propaganda, which shows a completely incompetence, a complete incompetence of the intelligence in the United States. Now, that's one way you could look at it, that they just stupidly bought in to what they were being told in Ukraine, which I wouldn't find that hard to believe. But on top, but part of me is just that they didn't care. It was more about using this as an issue, as a as a tool against Russia. They don't care if the Kurds get destroyed. They'll use them over and over again. It's the same thing here. Maybe they thought they could do this. In any case, whether or not they bought into the propaganda or created that propaganda, it still ends where we are now, where they're being forced to eat crow and go, yeah, they pretty much lost, and now we're finally admitting it. The narrative on the special military operation, in reality, is dead, and the failure is not being set. It already happened. It is a fiat, it's a, it's a fait accompli, as it's pronounced, a fait accompli, basically meaning something that already happened. No matter how one wants to put on put lipstick on a pig. This is, you could disagree with that, but a lot of people have been saying this for a long time. Like I have been saying, like the whole illusion of pushing into Kiev from the very beginning. Remember on day one, on February 25th, they were going, tanks are rolling into Kiev. I mean, I don't even think that was possible, like logistically speaking, but the point was they were screaming that whole narrative. Bombs were flying into Kiev and you got people walking down the streets in Kiev with their phones going, nothing's happening. <laughs> There's no bombs happening here. It was an illusion from the beginning. 
just like January 6th, it seems they wanted Russia to take the bait here. And maybe they thought they did, but then Russia made them look stupid. Now, in no way does that mean that Russia a good guy or that they're not capable of bad things and probably and are doing bad things. It's simply truth and fact. Truth, fact versus false lies, whatever. Now, it goes on to say, uh, right here, I do not believe, this is tr- uh, Moon of Alabama speaking, I do not believe for one moment that U.S. intelligence services do not know what's going on in Ukraine. And I See, I agree with that, or in Kiev. They know that the Ukraine has lost the war and will have to sue for peace as soon as possible. It says the question now is who will take the blame for the outcome? Who can the buck be passed to? There is always the option for politicians, as Andre assumes is the case, to blame the intelligence and the various agencies which provide it. This was done with the war in Iraq, based on false claims of weapons of mass destruction. Right? The the moment that started to go bad, they were, oh, intelligence was wrong. We trusted the intelligence. Well, yeah, that's the point. And we were saying the whole time when you were shouting us down, oh, you're you're a Saddam apologist. You don't trust the intelligence. How dare you're anti-American? We heard this the same story over and over again. So if it was bad intelligence, then why the next time it happened were you blindly trusting the intelligence and shouting down anybody that said it might be wrong? And then it became wrong and you said, oh, we trust the intelligence over and over and over. Sort of like the COVID discussion, if you want to make an overlap, saying, well, we trusted the science. Okay, well, how about we're objective and realize that that's not actually what it said and there was other people that said different things and it's the same idea. They heavily lean in and then when they lose control, they stand back and go, well, we did what we thought was right. No, you didn't, and you're caught. But what the New York Times piece does is passing the buck from the intelligence community to, in fact, Zelensky himself, which, remember, was exactly what I predicted, that he was going to be thrown under the bus. He did not inform us about the bad position his country was in. That's what they're saying. Really? So you're just, again, I mean, what's funny about this, guys, is the New York Times is essentially admitting exactly what I've been saying from the beginning, that they're just simply blindly taking at face value what Ukraine is saying. The media, I mean, I think the government's the one pushing this out, but the media just was, okay, Ukraine said. So is it whose fault to not do their due diligence? Aren't journalists supposed to be checking the facts? So you can't blame bad intelligence if you're just blindly reporting what the intelligence says. That makes you a stenographer, a propagandist. So you can't fall back into your journalistic integrity and be like, they didn't tell us the right thing. You're supposed to be checking these things. On On March 31st, the Council on Foreign Relations had a public discussion about the state of the war in Ukraine. There's a bunch of stuff they say in here. The bottom line is, there's no way the Ukrainians will ever destroy or defeat the Russians. Isn't that interesting? That on March 31st, you've got the Council on Foreign Relations, the CFR, openly discussing that they are already lost, this is never going to happen, but since then, they still push the narrative that they were just about to lose? That's You need to see these things. They knew it. That means the government knew it. That means the media to some level knew it, but they just kept pushing the lie because they were towing the line. That's what their job is. There follows more discussion, some discussion with other participants about potential outcomes the U.S. would like to see, like Ukraine in the state that it was before 2014. Look at that. You mean this whole thing was for nothing? That you're like, well, let's just go back to what it was like before. It's like, it's, it's pretty embarrassing to watch the utter destruction of the country that was obviously driven into happening by the U.S. government, whether or not Russia then took action, which I argue they were utterly forced into doing, and has now turned out to be an obvious reality with what we know about the Azov movement, what we know about what they're doing in Donbass, what we know about how they lied about basically everything that's happening, what we know about how they're shooting POWs and raping people. It's pretty obvious that they needed to be stopped. Now, that does not mean I support the war, or any war for that matter, or the action of killing people. 
but it does mean I can recognize that there's an obvious valid point to be made. But it goes on to say, oh, the last point was that they want to go back to what was before 2014. You mean before you regime changed the country? So are you basically admitting that you destroyed things? I mean, it's interesting how this is being framed, but it says, if you notice, there's no diplomacy going on at all to trying to get to some type of negotiations. Isn't that interesting? So this, these are, these are, uh, this one, hold on, but this person was, oh, and this is still part of the Council on Foreign Relations. This is, his name's Twitty. He's saying down here that there's no diplomacy. He says, and I don't think that we can lead that given what Putin thinks about us. Like, there is zero effort in any possible way to trying to stop this. We all see that. The average person doesn't realize how important that is. You're, there is always supposed to be diplomatic efforts happening. Always. But they're not even trying because they don't want that. That's very, very stark. That's an obvious point. That's what they're saying here. The second point is, you know, that they call it dime. Diplomatic, informational, military, and economic. He says, we're woefully lacking on the diplomatic piece of this. Because they're supposed to be doing that. It just shows you the truth. They never had any intention of having, they wanted this war, guys. That's the point. Someone objects and makes a case for giving the Ukraine more time by pushing more weapons on them. So that's what they're saying. Well, we'll just give them more weapons. <laughs> that was an honest argument. Twitty dismantles that argument. Basically breaks down why that's ridiculous. And that ultimately, as it says, they'll, they'll lack the ability to go to the bargaining table in a position of strength. So don't do it. But it says the professional military as Moon of Alabama points out, people, intelligence and military people, the professional ones, know exactly what's up. The Ukraine is already in a very bad situation, and from here on, it can only get worse. They expect that the Ukrainian front line will break very soon. He says, I'm sure that they are urging, like Twitty does above, for immediate negotiations using whatever third party is available. They talk about Hungary or Turkey or somebody else. It is the White House for which such an outcome is not what it had hoped to achieve. It can, in fact, not allow it. I agree with that. It is currently blocking any negotiations because admitting to a loss in Ukraine would give the Republicans more ammunition to damage Biden, as always. So let's continue to hurt civilians in Ukraine because politics, right? Let's let the Vietnam War go for a decade because we don't want to be the one to end it. Let's let Iraq or Afghanistan go for 20 years because we don't want to be politically looked at. These, I mean, guys, these people don't care about human life. They pretend to, to achieve political ends. It says, Yves Smith detects some signs that behind the curtains, some direct negotiations between Ukraine and Russia are actually taking place. And what that seems to, what they seem to suggest here is that that's not including Zelensky. This is a very interesting point. Remember all the, the, the baseless allegations about how there's going to be a coup in Russia? All the Western press floated that because somebody in Ukraine said. It's so, ba- it's so childish. But the point is, it turns out, as everything else seems to be, that they're trying to get ahead of what's happening to them. Accuse them of that which you are guilty, as always. So it turns out there's a lot of high-level people that he's pointing to. Check out the links in this for yourself. There's chatter, at the very least, about a possible military coup right now in Ukraine. To the detriment, or I don't know, I don't want to argue that. Maybe it's the U.S. government trying to get Zelensky out of the way for another try at this. Who knows? But that right now, Zelensky is not in control. And we saw that in the very beginning with the Azov movement basically laughing at him when he came into power. But it's interesting to think about. It says Zelensky may not may not have altered his stance, but that instead he is no longer even driving the train. And it may also be that some in the Ukrainian government are also trying to get the UK and US hands off the wheel. Like maybe the people that fired that lady. It says it, he, it may be too early for that to happen. But if they keep trying to shore up Zelensky when his own staff, senior staff and military are turning against him, 
they could find they bet on the wrong horse. Very interesting. It says, passing the buck to Zelensky, to then have him removed from this planet, may indeed be the best outcome for the White House and for Ukraine. So we may just see him get thrown into the bus, just like just like we who who's Guaido again? What happened to that guy? The legitimate president of Venezuela becomes a nobody the moment that he doesn't matter anymore. The moment they don't have any use for him anymore. But I thought he was the legitimate president. Would, doesn't it, doesn't it not matter political average at whether it matter, whether it's a political bet, uh, gain for you? I thought you stood by what was right. Obviously not. It's about what they can use. Oh, and then final point as we're. Way longer than I expected today. UN warns of food catastrophe. This is just a quick final point in regard to the Ukraine war leading into the things they're going to use against you in every other way, which this is happening to a degree. Part of it's artificial. Well, most of it's artificial. Part of it is actually happening. Part of it's an illusion. That's what I meant to say. Like intentionally holding these things back and so on. But there is, in fact, things happening like this, and it's being driven because of their actions. But the UN is now warning of a food catastrophe, really floating the fear. This is today, in fact, they're saying this today. But why are they saying that? Well, the United Nations is warning of a potentially devastating impact of Russia's invasion of Ukraine on the global access to foods. That's it. It's only Putin and Omicron, as I keep saying. It's a joke. That just because of what's happening there, that it, that, that one thing alone is why everybody's suffering. It's, a, it's blatantly not true. But here's an interesting point to show you. It all stems back to this grain discussion. Now, you should question this because it's coming from RT or because it's a, you know, it could be that Russia did this and they're framing otherwise. It's always possible. But a lot of the other evidence, including the mines, we'll show you next, pretty clearly show you that this was to action taken by Ukraine. But as it says here, a huge grain stockpile was burned by Ukrainian militants. The Russian Defense Ministry has accused Ukrainian militants at, at, of the Nationalist Battalions, the Azov Movement, of deliberately setting fire to a large granary in Mariupol's set port, which, by the way, we've heard people say themselves. There's evidence of people fleeing the area after they got away from Ukrainian forces telling you that the Ukrainian forces were burning food, were you know getting basically trying to sabotage the area so they couldn't benefit from it. At the detriment to the Ukrainian people, they deliberately setting fires to the large granaries in Mariupol while fleeing from Russian forces, which we know happened. According to a ministry statement, the alleged act of arson was down to the unwillingness of the militants to gra- leave grain to the Mariupol's residents, or you could argue to Russia. As a result, according to the military, more than 50,000 tons of grain were destroyed. Here's the video. Minus the weird, the weird song for some reason. So this is this is grain, and you know, in, in in general, burned and otherwise out in the open. You can see, you know, the attack on the actual side of that, right? And by the way, reports and people telling you they saw Ukraine attacking these kind of things. Now, but let's be clear: it could be Russia. It's certainly possible. I just, I, I personally don't even understand why that would make sense. Now, the reason I don't think it makes sense is simply because this is not needed. There's a huge value to this, especially if Russia is trying to win the support of the people in Ukraine. There's a value to this just by feeding people. But the point is there's more than enough to show what they're doing that you don't need to burn resources at a time when Russia needs it too to make that point. 
There's a thousand things they can show that are verifiably true that shows you what these people are. So this is sort of like Assad bombing children. It's possible, but it doesn't make sense. So then when you add in the rest of the story, it's pretty clear to me that the Ukrainian militants are destroying what they're leaving behind. And that is what they said they would do. That's the final point. They said they would do this. We, would le- we won't leave anything. And even they said they're going to, they're going to, to the last man, as they said, right? My husband, when the women were speaking, my husband, they're going to die there because they fight for free. And they all fled, right? Lied. <laughs> they weren't, they didn't stay to the last man. They clearly ran away. In any case, it's interesting to see the dynamic, the, the, back, the back and forth. But here, here's the final point. <clears throat> don't take any more time. You already saw this. Any Today made it clear. May 5th. As part of a military strategy and to avoid Russian naval invasion, the entire seawater was mined. Talking about the Ukrainian government. From the Sea of Azov to the Black Sea, which banks the critical of Odessa, the city of Odessa, have been mined. It's a military strategy to avoid Russian invasion. Obviously, that's the Ukraine government to avoid Russian invasion. Russians don't avoid their own invasion. So the Ukrainians mined the entire seawater. Now, again, in case you missed it, here is... Uh, um, General Milley saying the same thing back before this was not supposed to be said. You may say Ukrainian mines washed ashore. The Pentagon admitted this in their own. I played this for you last time we we went through this whole thing. Here's another one. <clears throat> of course, Russian government officials. So don't listen. You know, tell the people like that don't aren't objective. It says, nice try to mislead the international community, but it won't work. It's common knowledge that Ukraine itself mined its ports and refuses to let vessels sail. And Ukrainian and Ukraine isn't the only world provider of food. Russia is a big one and ready to help provide it. Exports are not blocked. That's the other part of this, right? So they're lying. We know they were mined. So it's that first part. And that they're also blocking vessels, which is also proven. But here's the last part of this. Now they're going, so they're trying to act like just Ukraine is enough to stop the, you know, everything in the world, but it's not true. Russia also has a gigantic store. But guess what? Current U.S. sanctions don't allow for it to be moved. Think about how funny that is in a macabre way, right? This is, this is, it's like any, their sanctions are the very, very thing that are stopping the flow. And yet they're saying because they don't move them, that they're stopped. They're not allowing food to flow to the world or that they're holding grain hostage, even though, by the way, it's theirs to do what they want with. Let's be clear. It's sort of like the U S not allowing things to go to Russia. It's the same point in reverse, of course, as always being hypocrites with their double standards. But the point is, this is at least from the Russian argument, which I agree with. There's plenty of ways their sanctions would stop this. Like, let's say this happened before the Ukraine war, right? Let's go back to the Iran situation. Are we going to, like, they stopped all sorts of things. They stopped oil, they stopped food, they stopped medicine, and they, we've proven this despite their lies. So if Russia tried to move grain into an Iranian area, well, they would take that. Or rather, just the idea that they're sanctioned in these exact areas, so they would stop it based on the violation of sanctions. We know that's true. It's already been proven. They've done it already. So now that the Ukraine war is starting, those sanctions are still there. In fact, they've added hell of a lot more of them. It's the same situation. But now because they've been, it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're hoping people out there are too dumb to realize that their sanctions are obviously in the way of this by saying, oh, I'll, I'll just read it to you. It says, the Kremlin said on Wednesday that Western sanctions against Moscow must be lifted before Russian grain could be delivered to international markets. So that one statement is how the rest of the Western press are acting like they're holding it hostage. Well, here's what he says. Putin said, and as always, they don't give you the context. Putin said that in, the or, in order for Russian grain volumes to be delivered to international markets, direct and indirect sanctions against Russia must be lifted. 
He said that the sanctions, which the West imposed in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, were affecting shipping insurance, payments, and access to European ports, which is all true. It's very easy to prove that. It says Ukraine and Russia together account for nearly a third of global wheat supplies, together. While Russia is also a key fertilizer export and Ukraine a major supplier of corn and sunflower oil. So their actions, their sanctions and everything else are one of the most obvious reasons why this is happening. Now, here's what they say about it. And you can read the rest of them. It's it's pretty short, but the point is they don't really get into the details. Sort of like the BBC doesn't get into the details because they're propaganda. This is the Financial Post. Ukraine's latest. U.S. slams Putin's food for sanctions relief plan. (laughs) That's not even remotely what he said. He didn't say, remove sanctions and I'll make a deal with you to give food. He said, we're not able to do this because your sanctions would stop it. But as always, they just blindly lie about what they want you to think is happening. Oh, by the way, excuse me, not the Financial Post. They're still posting it, but it's Bloomberg. The U.S. rejected a plan, not what happened, by the Russian President Putin to facilitate grain, not what he said, and fertilizer only if sanctions on his country are lifted, pinning the blame on Kremlin for blocking shipments and stoking concerns of global food shortages. (laughs) It's, It's just gross how blatantly misrepresented this is. Now, look, I'm not trying to take a side here. I'm not saying I tr- rush aside over you. I'm simply saying it's very easy to prove that right now their sanctions 100% affect insurance payments and access to ports. How are you going to pretend they're able to ship this stuff across international waters without insurance, without payments received, without ports that, to unload them in? I mean, it's just childish level propaganda, guys. And they just blind, they just hope you don't even look. Just take their word for it. Exactly like we just said in the beginning, that they they are training people in the COVID side of this around the world to blindly take that at face value. That's how they control these things. And finally, as the serious report coming from Catherine Austin Fitz points out, going back to the very beginning of our the clip we played, U.S. is threatening nations on top of everything else who are in receipt of Russian grain with sanctions. So not only are they the sanctions they've given them are the main reason they're not allowed to bring it to Europe. They're not anyone else they are giving it to. They're sanctioning or rather threatening with sanctions. So who exactly is creating the food shortage, guys? Who exactly is allowing this to be the case? Clearly, it doesn't seem to be Russia when the U.S. is sanctioning people who are even able to receive that grain. It's pretty interesting. I think the clear picture, well, I think the picture is clear. (laughs) I think it's unbelievably obvious of how this is being manufactured, how this is being driven into reality. Now, as always, that does not imply that Russia's government is not problematic. I don't think any government is trustworthy. I've made that very clear, but facts are facts. And if we're watching a situation where they're playing, you should have enough discernment to recognize that you're being lied to, probably from both sides, but very obviously as an American working out of the United States, you're being lied to by your government and they are abusing your rights in every possible way and manufacturing problems to be used against you. It's just time to be honest about that, isn't it? All right, guys, I'll leave it there for the day. Three hours and 21 minutes. Now, at the end of the day, guys, last point is that I think I really need your help to get this information out there. We are winning, I believe, at this point. The the narrative war, anyway, I think it's pretty obvious. They're pulling back in every regard, but it doesn't mean they're going to stop. Just like with COVID, we told you it's going to come back. Whether that's monkeypox, whatever else happens. I was going to talk about that today. A great Off Guardian article talking about how monkeypox is checking all the COVID boxes. Like I, That was my first coverage. I said the same thing. Could this be used if they wanted it to? My point was yes. So we'll have to hopefully, I mean, I don't want to wait and see. I want people to stand up and do something about it. Not violence, but we need to stand up and 
steadfast. Put your feet down. Do not take a step back. Do not give ground. We need to stop this in its tracks because we have the control of that right now if we're able to cross those party lines. I just hope this is clear enough to reach the people that need to hear it. I love you all, as always. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. It's time we started standing up to all of these mandates. You remember when the government told us, when Tony Fauci told us that we were going to lock down, he said it was for two weeks. And now it's been almost two years. And I'm going to tell you three things that you need to remember in this critical day and age. One is that once government acquires a power, it never lets it go voluntarily. The second thing that we need to know is that every power that government acquires using this pandemic as a pretense, it will ultimately abuse to the maximum effect possible. And this is just a rule that is as certain as gravity. The third thing that you need to know is that nobody has ever complied their way out of totalitarianism. Every time you comply, the demands will get greater and greater. We need to resolve that here and now, this is the hill that we need to die on. They have come for our jobs. They've come for our transport. Now they're coming for our children. And we have an obligation as parents to protect them. There has never been a government in history that has told its people, we are going to demand that children sacrifice themselves and take risks to save old people. It's always the other way around. The old, the mature, the adults always put themselves at risk to protect their children. This is an ethical issue. It's a moral issue. It's an issue of character for each of us. And it's an issue about the preservation of democracy and public health. We all need to stand up now and do everything that we can to block these power plays by authoritarian powers that are trying to steal from us the health of our children.